0: Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 13 in the wake of the Bark River grinding. My God, it's been a busy couple of weeks. This episode... We are going to do a couple more interviews from Blade. Uh, that's going to be following our knife news, what's going on in Texas and what's happening with the Bowie knife out there. Uh, one of my favorites, a little bit more traction on the Michigan Switchblade saga. We're also going to be doing, in lieu of tech tips this week, something new, Grinder side Chats, which is with one of our favorite knife makers, Todd Walensky of True Saber Limited. Following that, we're going to have our history segment covering the knives of the Navy. And finally, our favorite part, your Q and A's. Stay tuned. Welcome to behind the Blade podcast. Jim, how are you doing, buddy? I am good sir. How are you? Fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's been It's been a really, really busy. Last last couple of weeks, especially with the Barker grinding coming on, I mean, like you've seen me running around, uh, running around the shop like uh, like like a chicken with my head cut off, and same same for you, man. You were doing the exact same thing. We totally overestimated our time.
0: Y- oh my God, <laughs> yes, we? yeah. We were like, oh, we're gonna <laughs> cut a bunch of interviews, and we're gonna blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden it's. Two o'clock in the morning and we're like, Well, I guess that didn't go as planned.
1: <laughs> and it happened like three times in a row, it too, did, because yeah. we had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's a, and that's and in the wake
0: of Blade. Yeah, you know? it's, it's
1: after Blade, too. I mean, it's so it's, so it's like we're just starting to get our feet under us again from Blade, and then boom, Bark River grinding, which is another huge event. And 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 we're we were dead tired. I mean, like we're totally, <laughs> totally, totally on our on our butts. Just passed out. I think I think I was, like, in video game, just, like, eating, like, pure butter or yeah, something. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I think I might have had, you know, 17 or 18 beers and only counted two. You're right. You know, I mean, oh like, it was just, just, just absolute brain drain and, and shock afterwards. But uh,
0: For you guys that aren't uh, maybe spun up on what the grind-in is at Bark River, it's an event that's held, what are you guys doing, four times a year, three times uh, a year? We, we were doing it three times a year.
1: Okay. We were doing it three times a year, and now I think we're going down to two. Because, because, you know, we, uh, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big event.
0: So, I mean, between like 60 and 80 people turn out for these things. Right. And
1: we do, we do roughly between, you know, depending on, depending on the number of people, like this last grind in was actually like a a smaller grind in, which I actually prefer. I actually prefer smaller grind ins because there's more one-on-one time and the knives end up turning out better. But we still did something like 70 knives. Jeez, yeah, that's it, was, it was crazy, but the, I think the most at one time we've ever had has been like 96 right. in yeah. one day. Almost
0: 100 knives, and what these are, these aren't knives that Bark River, I mean, they're Bark River models, there are some custom models, but customers come from all over the world, to be honest with you. I mean, we have people from overseas, we have people from Canada, um, and obviously all over the continental US, but they come all over, and they get to make a knife for themselves using the Bark River construction methods. And their materials and guest makers, I know, obviously, I'm there. Dan Tope, Jesse Hempill, Lon Humphrey, uh, Todd Walensky, sometimes even Joey Cordova. I, I mean, the names go on and on and on. We get all these uh, custom makers that come by, and we kind of help out as these customers are walking the line because some of them have never made knives before. Some of them are grinding, you know, uh, veterans. veterans. Yeah. Veterans. But, but otherwise they don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing. So the makers help them out and the Bark River staff helps them out and even execute some of the processes for them if they don't want to. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's followed with some parties and banquets and late nights with beers and talking blades and stuff. They're a blast. That they are exhausting for the they're, staff. It's a total I'm, drain. It's a gauntlet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really
1: is. I mean, because because well, especially for the crew that works, because the crew works the weekend too. Right. So we've got the entire week of just pushing knives out. You know, doing the best that we possibly can to push out good product, and then we work all weekend, and then we have a whole another week. So <laughs> it never it, ends. It doesn't end. It goes all the way through. I mean, and and, uh, and everybody's such a good sport about it, and everybody's. Everybody's super talented and very lucky to have the crew that I have, man. I mean, they're super patient
0: guys. Word. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you guys, uh, it really is something to, to behold. So I recommend, you know, without self promoting or promoting for Bark River, um, it, just come check one out one of these days because you never know who's going to be there and the ideas are free flowing and it's just a bunch of knife junkies. And so it, it's a hoot, man. I love it. I look forward to it. I scored what I get from, from John, John Snodder, uh, He's a fixture. He doesn't ever actually make anything at the grind end, but he's always <laughs> there, and the guy's just a old knife dealer, knife yeah. collector, and kind of a historian. He's a lifetime,
1: lifetime knife enthusiast. Oh, exactly. oh definitely. I, mean, like, I would love to be in his position when I'm that age. Yeah, Absolutely. and that's. I
0: know I'll be there. Yeah, right. Probably not with the accent from Kentucky, but I will definitely be that guy. <laughs> well, if you start now, you could work at it. <laughs> and if you ask him, he goes, what accent? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: love
0: it. Hey, you, y'all's, y'all's got the one who has the accent. Yeah, right? from from John, I scored an Eck Commando, the Warrior Bowie. So So it had the stamped steel guard on it and the cord-wrapped handle, the nylon sheath. I'm a Eck Knives. If you guys don't know, Eck, John Eck, it's E-K. You'll hear some people call it E-K Knives. Eck is actually John's last name, not John Snodder, John Eck. And uh, he was around in World War II, you know, pre-World War II, and he came up with some kind of crazy knife designs. And um, maybe we'll touch on a history segment on him at some point, which we're not going to do right this very second. However, the company has changed hands several times and has, begotten, has begun getting uh, some more notoriety since they were purchased by K-Bar. Now, I might be wrong on this. I don't know if K-Bar purchased them or if – what am I looking at?
1: No, nothing. It's just a note to remind us that we need to do a history segment oh, on John. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, was,
0: I was like, "Yeah, I know it's John Ack. He's, he's handing me notes." I was no, no, I'm like, just putting on the table.
1: It wasn't we, handed to
0: you. We do that when we're screwing up. The other person holds up a cue card. Uh, so that didn't happen this time, though. Matt did uh, hold up a sign that said "Shut up" one time. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, somehow they got affiliated with K Bar and are getting a little bit more notoriety than they did in the past. Uh, an amazing company, an amazing product catalog. I, I just, I love their knives. They're not for everybody, but they definitely have a deep spot in my heart. And I scored an Eck while I was there. So I was very excited to get that from John at the grind, and I had to trade him. But uh, I feel like I came out good. So uh, <laughs> anyways, back <laughs> to it. This is the news segment. Oh, what are you carrying today? Oh,
1: good question. Oh, I'm carrying my, uh, my custom, and I'm oh, carrying yeah. a, uh, um, well, I'll start with the other thing that I carry. So every day, I carry a Victorinox Swiss tool. Yes, and this is like the, like isn't like isn't isn't this like the least popular tool like on like like
0: on Earth or you know, something? It's funny that you say <laughs> that. My my buddy but, Oliver Mazurkowitz, back in uh, Longmont back in Colorado he carries one of these, and I had never seen one before in really? my life. And this is the only multi tool he carries. We yeah. come up here. You've got it. Uh, that, yeah, it's yeah, that's the, that's the
1: one that I carry. I've been carrying it, like, every day since, like, 2004. I mean, and, and it's still in great condition. I think the only thing that's messed up is, like, I think the blade is bent a little bit on it because I don't care about it. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was you, though. That's that, not that OEM. Yeah. No, that's not OEM. Not at all. No, I've, I've never had any of the tools on this thing fail. Yes, it is a little heavier, but it comes in a great nylon sheath. And what? I I'm just...
0: The I'm, polish on it is—it looks like a jewel when you mirrored. take it out. Yeah, it's
1: mirrored, and it was like—it was like—it was. Uh, I think I got it for like a hundred bucks.
0: Way to go, Switzerland! Yeah,
1: I mean a good, good, job. I mean, it's got U.S. and metric measurements on it. I mean, and it comes out really quick, and oh, if God. you're fast with it, yeah. I mean, you can you can kind of like flip it around. If if
0: Jim were any faster with that, he would have to be 16 and at a mall. I swear to God, it looked like a Bali song in his hand.
1: (laughs) But but it's still super stiff. I mean, and uh, and uh, anybody who's kind of poo pooing it, I gotta disagree with you very respectfully because this is this is a very solid multi tool, and I and I use it for everything. I use it. I use this knife to make other knives.
0: Are those still (laughs) available? I think
1: they are. Oh. I think, I mean, they should be. Nice. So, Victorinox Swiss Tool. I mean, I highly recommend it. I mean, like, they're at least as good as your Leatherman. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, absolutely. Uh, the other thing that I'm carrying is I'm carrying that custom that I've been showing off for the last few weeks for the new. Thanks. Uh, for, the, for the, for the, for our Marauder series um, at, uh, at Bark River. So, really, it's not even just the whole pattern, it's just the handle. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so, the entire idea was the handle that I drew first, and I just kind of drew the blade because it fit the profile of the handle and I was watching way too much black sales <laughs> and 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 I was just I was just inspired um so what it's got it's got a big brass guard a big brass pommel with a curved joining um, some facets on the bottom edge with all the with all the corners broken and in uh, a hidden tang marble style nut in that, that go that go in this thing and it's a, it's a double segmented knife with curly koa in the front and red flame maple burl in the back and uh, and I've got the brass accented in just the right way. And the blade is like almost Bravo vortex almost like a, as if the Bravo Vortex and the and the Randall Model Five like had a baby. Yeah, I can see that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, with a big old finger, with a big old choil and a finger groove in there for for maximum comfort. And it's a very comfortable knife. I'm I'm already making a couple of changes, and this is going to be the Marauder series, the handle at least. Um, I'm designing longer blades for it. Right now, this thing has a five-inch blade.
0: Right, Ga- guys. I and, Jim's a buddy of mine. Uh, you guys know I'm a custom maker. I I fancy myself as being able to do a a relatively decent handle job. This thing is retarded. I cannot believe (laughs) the angles and curves that he got to mate perfectly on it. I mean, and I'm not. I'm not the type to blow smoke up anybody's tailpipe. Like I'll be completely honest with you, it is nothing. I. I almost cussed again. Like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, the handle on it... We'll post pictures up on the Facebook page, hopefully in a more timely manner than we have been. I apologize, guys, but it has been crazy. Oh, it's been um, But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> the, the fit and finish on the handle is ridiculous. The uh, the blade looks nice on it. I think it's a hot little knife. I think Thank it's you. cool. I think it'll make a cool series too. Thank you.
1: I think so too. I mean, this one's got a five inch blade, but we're designing seven inch, seven and a half, eight inch blades nice. for the handle to kind of offset the <sighs> weight. Because it, this one is a little bit back heavy. It was oh, exactly yeah. like I designed. I mean it was the first knife. Ever that I totally made that I was able to put onto the drawing and have every line match up exactly where it was. Nice. I mean, like like plus one for measuring.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> right and being precise. But um, but I picked it up and I went, huh? It could have all of these other changes. And oh, yeah. and and so what you're going to see is a little bit of an evolution of the of the picture that we're going to post. And of course, this one's all beat up because I've been carrying it. So there are dings in the pommel. I mean, I I think I have a chip in the edge because I like made a fire plow with it nice. and I slammed it into a tree. You know, and I batoned with it. I mean, this thing this thing was it, it's. It looks really good, but it's rugged, man. Yeah. And and I'm 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 really stoked about it. It's very cool. Hey, you should
0: be. Yeah, you so, should be real proud of that. It's so, a good looking eye. Thank you, man. Um, what do you, Matt? Question to you, sir. What are you carrying tonight? I'm actually so. I'm just carrying my Sabenza with my Vulture equipment oil. Hear that? And then. Uh, yeah, you were telling me about that, man. That's some awesome oil. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I still love it. It's at the house. I I still will recommend that because it's been holding up. We're in super humid conditions. Um, the last time I oiled the Sebenza was the last time I talked about it on air. Right. We did talk about this before. It It was was, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago, right after Blade Show. And I came back and we discussed it on air. Like, Mm -hmm. what'd you find at Blade? Blah, blah, blah. And I oiled the knife with two drops. It's been ridiculously humid. Everything is actually starting to flash in our house. I need to go through and oil all the knives and all the guns (laughs) and flits the crap out of everything. And, uh, so anyway, so I just have my boring old Sebenza. And, uh, for our history segment, I brought a couple knives with me, one of them, like, in hand, so I, I guess so that cool. counts as carrying. It's a Navy Mark II, uh, in this case, probably the USMC fighting knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys colloquially call them K-bars, but this one happens to be made by Camellus. It's got a black blade, black stack leather handles. Um, I believe, this is from Vietnam era, if I'm not mistaken, based on the research that I was able to do on it. Mm-hmm. Vietna- think- Vietnam, was is it Korean War in there sometime too? Or, or
1: is
3: this
0: post-Korean War? Uh, this is post-Korean. Okay, definitely yeah. for sure. Yeah, okay. so yeah. I, I, I think this is just Vietnam. Okay. And it was in a, I looked it up, there we go, H&S, uh, Headquarters and Services, has H&S, the Marine Corps. H&S. Yeah, so yeah. it was... At, it, it was an inside the wire knife. It was carried around post. It's got a bunch of stuff spray painted all over it. But I got <laughs> it off eBay for a song and a dance, and I just thought it had the right look, and I
1: really like it. It's it's classic military fighter, man. Totally, I mean, I mean it's post World War II classic military fighter. I
0: mean, it's it is a cool knife. It's very serviceable. It's it's supremely sharp. It's very cool. It's a kind of knife that it takes you a lot of places visually. It takes you to camping with your dad.
1: Oh yeah, you totally, I mean? absolutely. It, it
0: takes you to having it, you know. Electrical tape or duct tape upside down on your web gear, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so on your Alice gear, uh, it, it takes you a lot of places. You look at it and you're like, oh, a lot of the bushcraft cats carry these too, and and they're pretty thin blades. All things considered, I mean, compared to what we consider a thick, robust blade now, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think like 10.95 or something like that. And this one was hot, and I brought it in because we're going to be talking about the Navy Mark II, and I'm also carrying a Mark III Mod O. An older one with a really fine kind of needle point to it. Uh, The Mark III motto. We'll get more into detail. This is not necessarily a fine specimen. I think it's exactly what you would picture on a military knife. The grinds are kind of shite, but overall, it is just an (laughs) awesome knife. It's just a cool knife, a lot of history. We'll get into the history side of that in the history segment. All All right. right.
1: Let's dive into today's knife news brought to you by Knife, knife News. news. <laughs> today's news for knife people. If you guys want to be abreast of the latest knife news, you can go to knifenews.com and... and I want to be abreast. <laughs> well, this, this is a regular PG-13 rated podcast, <laughs> You've quickly transcended the next level and go of right into NT-17. knife news. <laughs> so um definitely go to www.knifenews.com and check them out they do an excellent job staying on top of all of the cool cool knife stuff i mean that, that goes right into the that goes right into um our industry and comes from it i mean they're a great source of aggregate news info for for the knife industry we highly recommend them word all, all right. right you want to lead us in on the the, the first thing or should i do, do the
0: first blah, blah, thing? Blah, blah 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 it's, I been, will... it's
1: been a long couple weeks but uh, oh, it has yeah i'm not sure. even drunk
0: yeah. Not at all. No, me neither, I, which is I'm, a seriously, yeah. seriously, I'm not. I just, like, lack of sleep makes you drunk. I yeah. need to get on top of that situation. <laughs> yeah. All right, from Knife News. Knife Rights, Texas Knife Law Reform Bill signed by Governor. Woo! So, you guys may not have known that this is going on in the background, but earlier in June, we learned that Bowie, Texas's Big Bowie was officially crowned the world's largest Bowie knife by the Guinness Book of World Records. The news carried a hint of irony because it's still illegal to carry a Bowie knife in Texas, but this and other restrictions will disappear on September 1st, 2017. Mark your calendars, kids, if you live in Texas, September 1st, 2017. Freedom
1: comes to Texas, September
0: 1st. Even if you don't live in Texas, let's make September 1st official Bowie Day. So all you guys, where it's legal, I'm not telling you, I mean, it's up to you, really. But (laughs) let's all carry a big old Bowie knife on September 1st honoring the Bowie band lift in Texas. We should totally do that. That's, so, a, that's
1: a great idea. I think
0: so. So September 1st, let it be written, let it be done. That is official Bowie Day as dictated by Behind the Blade podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're a global th- force. This is all following Texas Governor Greg Abbott's signing of the Knife Rights Texas Knife Law Reform Bill yesterday. It's always been ironic you couldn't carry a Bowie in Texas, says Doug Ritter, chairman and executive director of Knife Rights. With the passing of the new law, the doors are open on what Texans can put in their pocket and on their belt. There are no more illegal knives in Texas. Score. Let me say it one more time. There are no more illegal knives in Texas, says Ritter. The only remaining exception in the new statute is you can't bring knives with a blade length over 5.5 inches into restricted areas such as schools, hospitals, churches, bars that make, make up a- that make 51% or more of their income from oh, alcohol. Says.
1: And bars that make 51%. So if you go to the seedy little one that's on the corner that loses a bunch of money, yeah, well, yeah. that with that. <laughs>
0: well, the way that works, being yeah. from the bar industry, the no, way... Yeah, the way yeah, okay, so it's... Yeah. Uh, if you're... You ever see it says bar and grill? Yeah. Or grill and bar? Right. So 51% of your income has to be derived from alcohol to be considered a bar. Otherwise, you're a restaurant that serves alcohol. Got the, le- the legal make. delineation. Yes. Okay. And so if yeah. you're in a... Uh, I don't know Outback Steakhouse. Obviously, they sell beer, right? Right, but that's a restaurant. That's a restaurant yeah. because they make less than fifty-one percent of their revenue on alcohol specifically. Right. Okay. So, gotcha. so you guys can carry them in steakhouses, but do not carry them in saloons. Uh, and that's only five. <laughs> that's five and a half inches. I mean, that's a big. That's a decent-sized knife. That's, I mean, that,
1: that's anything up to a. Uh, uh, um, how, how big is the Kudamisa? Five like, and a half inches. Oh, you're, so, so yeah, like Kudamisa
0: and smaller. Yeah, you're good to go. Yep, yeah, Navy yeah. Mark One, five and an eighth. Yeah, you, <laughs> know what I mean? you carry yeah. that. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird that they threw churches in there. I'm not sure about that one. Um, uh, Texas getting closer to being the Texas than everyone thinks it is, Ritter says. Uh, according to Ritter, the victory in Texas was the culmination of, get a load of this, six years' worth of work and only possible nice. with the ongoing support from the community in a final fin- fundraising push for the 2017 Ultimate Steel Spectacular Mega Raffle. It sounds like a what? Japanese game show. Oh, we, yeah. yeah,
1: we actually made that joke <laughs> oh, last we time. We already yeah, yeah. talked about it. You made the exact same joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unpredictable, folks. What can I say? <laughs> uh, Knife, Rides, Knife Rides has added a tail end bonus drawing to sweeten the pot.
1: Uh, der, 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 der. Excellent, excellent news! Great
0: job. I think that's it. That's the end of the article. Yeah. Great
1: job, Knife Rights, and helping Texas do this. Great and, job, Texas too. And and a uh, great job, Texas for sure. I mean, like uh, like you guys, you guys are absolutely knocked out of the park on this one. And in good news, also related to that, bill to repeal Michigan switchblade ban going
0: to Governor Snyder. oh that's the last step, guys. <laughs> that is the last step. When Snyder makes his mark on that bottom line. That's it. All bets are off. I'm gonna be bristling with switchblades. I tell you what, I, I, I'm just gonna <laughs> click, be. Click, 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 yeah. Click, click. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> it'll be it'll be fantastic. Um, Senate voted on Thursday, voted 36 to one to finalize legislation to repeal a prohibition against selling or possessing a knife with blades that can be opened by the flick of a button, pressure on the handle, or other mechanical contrivance.
0: So do we need to call Snyder and be like, hey? please yes. yeah listen um
1: our, uh, our our entire viewership
0: yeah <laughs> we draw a lot of water in this town governor <laughs> <laughs> <We> can,
2: <laughs> i wonder if we could strong yeah. arm i think it'd yeah. be hilarious so
1: <laughs> so yeah uh, so a violation um in this, uh, well, it's not a very well written article that I saw, but it Perfect. is happening. Nice, but this is totally happening. The article that I'm reading was published June 22nd, which was today at 1:30 p.m. The, the date of this recording is when they was when it was headed to Snyder. Right.
0: When now. can we expect the results? The final. I think he's going to, because, I mean, it was, yeah. it's been a landslide of support up into his it, desk. It
1: has been a landslide yeah. of support. I think the first time it passed, it passed the House with unanimous support. Yeah. Every one single guy. person. One guy. No, oh, no, oh was, was, a, was one it one guy? guy? Yeah, okay. one,
0: one, one biddy who was like, I don't see why we need to put any more tools in the hands of criminals. And well, then everyone right. laughed at him and signed it anyway. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Right, okay, so yeah. the exact same thing happened um, on Thursday in the Senate. Oh, oh no kidding. <laughs> it was 36 to 1. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, so, so it was probably, a, it was been, those, those two guys are probably friends. From the House and the Senate, um, but it was yeah overwhelming support. So obvious, obvious representation by by the constituency. This is what the state wants. That's great. And so I highly encourage Governor Snyder to absolutely take that pen and put it and put a signature right on the dotted line. That's it. And give us that kind of freedom that we want because I'd carry a switchblade. I just bought one. Yeah. So-
0: look, guys, it's not for nefarious deeds, and to be we've covered this a million times. My go to. Fighting tool is my brain. It's not the toy in my pocket. Yeah. Like switchblades are neat and they're cool and they're mechanical. It's no different than having a nice automatic watch or a timepiece. You know, they're just they're a novelty and they're artfully done when they are artfully done. Especially,
1: and, especially like yeah, the out the fronts and the, the yes. marathon,
0: the, the marathon custom knife that yes. you just
1: got, man, that's awesome.
0: And I, you know, so let's just let's just drop it. That's not. We're not going to go around murdering each other just because now we have a mechanical pocket knife. Let's yeah. be serious.
1: Let, let's have a knife that's structurally weaker. All of a sudden, the crime goes out because of it. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not, like, can like, I can carry this it. Navy Mark too, I can carry this Camilla's fighting knife. Yeah, you can. I'm carrying my custom. It's not yeah. much bigger. It's, not, it's only slightly smaller than that. Yeah. I mean, and it's like... That no can, There's, like, way more potential. Yeah, I mean, like absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, if we're just talking about items, like, inanimate objects... Uh oh, you're making a, you're making an ugly face. What are you making an ugly face for? I'm looking at the grinds on
0: this Mark III light (laughs) off. The Mark III is still not impressing you. Well, it's, it's a, it's a cool (laughs) knife, but I, I, this needs to be hung up so I don't examine it side to side anymore. It's in my hands, guys. I'm sorry. This is my fidget spinner. Uh, and I'm looking at, this is actually, uh, this was a gift. This was a gift from my good friend Huckleberry at, uh, Ghost Town Custom Knives. And, What's up, uh, Huck? We've we've mentioned him before. I hope you guys are checking out his work. He does some pretty amazing stuff, and he knows that I'm a military knife mm-hmm. freak, and he brought this over and surprised me with it. Uh, this one in particular is engraved with... I'm taking up the news by talking about this silly <laughs> knife.
2: <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> it's our show. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I like it. I think it's cool. It is cool. Um yeah. What... Well, We'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back
1: to that. So, also, what else have we got in the new segment? We got um, we, we got we got a couple more interviews from Blade. So we're going to be interviewing Donovan Phillips in Blade Sports International. I've got a very quick interview that I did with him. That's um, a great guy. I, mean, and I love Donovan. He's,
0: Anytime he's in the room, he's just a beam of sunshine. I he, swear to he, God,
1: he's he's an extreme ray of positivity. I mean, like I mean, like I've, I've very very rarely do you meet somebody as positive and uh, and
0: happy and, and jovial, happy, right?
1: As 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 Donovan.
0: And he can rip your arms off your body and beat you to death with them. The guy is a monster. He's
1: he's a tank. Yeah. Man. He's
0: huge. He could dress yeah. like a transformer that was a Buick but is now standing up <laughs> and it would be of believable proportions. The guy's a beast. He's a world record holder in the uh, water bottle chopping.
1: 27 standing bottles of water in a row in one
0: stroke. Yeah. E- either that yeah. or you and three of your closest friends. Whichever Wait. comes first. Yeah. I mean the guy's a monster and he's just a gentle soul and I absolutely cherish every second i get to spend with donovan he's just a phenomenal human being so i'm glad uh jim got to get the interview with him and i'm at, we're actually going to listen to it while it plays because i didn't get to hear this yet and i want to hear what he has to say so <laughs> uh buckle up and listen to big donovan phillips and we'll be back in a moment
1: up everybody Jim Stewart from behind the blade podcast live at blade 2017 I'm here with blade sports international competitor Donovan Phillips and knife designer and maker how you doing man doing pretty good man you I'm doing I'm doing okay we're out we're outside right now we're enjoying the Atlanta weather I mean this is a little bit hotter than I'm used to but everything's actually pretty comfortable considering how things are going
4: it's it's a lot better than it has been in past years at least we got a little breeze today
1: Here, here 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 I think last year we were sweltering all of us were sweating yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um all right so uh tell me a little bit about the blade sports international thing and where you
4: stand Uh, well we're a nonprofit organization based out of waxahachie texas we're uh, our motivation is to teach people or i'm sorry our motto is to teach people that knives are tools and not weapons mainstream media does a good enough job of making knives into weapons being that knives are man's oldest tool we're trying to help reverse that do our part and we have a lot of fun doing it. you learn a lot about knife making how the knife works and what what you need to do to make it work better So steels we test steels all the time so uh, as far as standings right now I'm doing okay I'm not I've, I've done better done worse so we'll see what happens today it's all about today here <laughs> here. Here, so um, so uh, did you compete already today, or is that coming up? No, it's coming up at four fifteen this afternoon. All right. I asked you a little bit earlier if you
1: were nervous. You still feeling kind of nervous? Or?
4: Yeah, a little bit. I'm a little shaky right now. <laughs> still got a couple hours to go. So. It shows that you're humble. You're a big dude, though. I think you'll be okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: All right. Cool. So uh, tell me a little
4: bit about your knife making. How's that going? Yeah, it's going pretty good. I'm staying pretty busy with it. Oh, uh, you know, trying to get some orders out and do some tre- test new steels in the process and come up with some new designs and you know the normal knife maker thing just trying to figure out what everybody wants and what they're looking for from me and and what can what i can do to get out there and get people get my knives in people's hands all right all right, right on do you have a do you have like a pre-order thing or um where can people find uh, your knives um facebook page big d knives is probably a good place to start and i'm on instagram also it's big d knives uh email is big d knives at gmail.com you kind of see a theme going on here right no, branding is important <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah it, I'm out there, so it's, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm also on the Blade Sports site; got all my contact information on there too. If anybody has any questions about Blade Sports, I can help you out on that also. So,
1: excellent, excellent. So, describe to me exactly uh, what what you do at the Blade Sports uh, Blade Sports event.
4: Well, I'm Blade Sports executive director right now, so i kind of head up the whole the whole circus here, and I'll uh, kind of keep it going and try to keep things organized and help set up events and schools and. I'm going all over the country getting you new, new guys started, helping people and I'm also an instructor. I'm a I'm a kind of an everything with with uh, with uh, blaze sports. so I kind of do it all. I make the knives, I use the knives, I compete. I'm executive director. I'm the world record holder for the bottle cut for, at 28 bottles right now. And I'm kind of I'm pretty heavily involved with blaze sports. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. so so uh, not only are
1: you uh, not only are you the president, you're also the client. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, it's it's uh, it's great. I wish you the best of luck, man. I and uh, it. and uh, definitely check it out. Where can people find more information specifically about Blade Sports?
4: At www.bladesports.org.
1: Awesome, and that's also Big D Knives. Yeah.
4: Uh, what was the website there? Uh, I don't have a website. I just have a Facebook page. Oh, no, what? Big
1: D Knives Facebook page is one of my more of my knives also. Gotcha. That's just as good. Yep. I mean, that's just as good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Donovan. Right. Very good. And good luck, man. Appreciate it. Thanks.
0: All right, that was Big D and his interview with Jim. Uh, very cool. I'm sure you guys were able to pick up just how positive this guy is and everything that he does. And so feel free to stop by and check him out at Big D Knives and at. Uh, you can also roger up at Bladesports.org. Is correct, right? correct, cool.
1: Bladesports.org. He's He's also very, very... Something I noticed about Donovan is that he's very quick to laugh. Yes. And not just, like, a, a small chuckle, but, like, a huge... Belly like, laugh. Like, Viking yeah. belly laugh. Yeah, it, and it's <laughs> contagious. Oh, my God, It totally contagious. is. His eyes light up and everything, man. He's he's, he's super cool, to, he's yeah, super, if, super cool if, dude. Yeah, if you
0: guys spot him at a uh, show or something like that, just go up and shake his hand and... Uh... Strike up a conversation with him. The guy's just, he's a gas. I mean, he's hilarious to be around. He's just a great guy. So right. I, You'll never hear me say a bad word about him. I no. just love him to death.
1: No. Oh, and quick correction it's not 27 bottles. As you said in the interview, it is 28, 28. bottles. 28! I mean, One like,
0: shot. And that video went viral on Facebook. It did, I mean, yeah, yeah it was great. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. Everyone's like, Matt, check this out. I'm like, I totally had beers with that guy. And so, <laughs> hey,
1: it's like Donovan? Yeah. Oh. It's cool. <laughs> I We're, think the most bottles I've cut has been five.
0: Yeah, I, I <laughs> s- six or ten, somewhere in there. Yeah, right, right, Some, something like uh, that. I did it with a barong too. He did wrong, it with nice.
1: a knife, half or like a third the size of right. a barong, as he went through just, just to, just to illustrate. Yeah, just to awesome. illustrate how cool it is.
0: Uh, who do we so, have next, Jim?
1: We have Kevin Estella, um, a high school teacher, author. Networking, networking, networking guru, man. This guy's a guy's a social media networking guru. Yeah, he writes and, for a lot of magazines. And he writes for a ton of magazines, and um, and there's definitely more interv- in more information in the interview. I'm still, my mouth is still catching up with my brain, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. Um, is there anything you want to say before we get rolling?
0: Hi, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Kevin. All
2: right, go all right. Ahead,
1: and uh, here's our interview with Kevin Estella. What's up, guys? Jim Stewart here from Behind the Blade Podcast, live at Blade Show 2017. I'm standing with Mr. Kevin Estella, media guru and all-around cool guy. What's up, Kevin?
5: What's up, Jimmy? How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, man. Um, it's starting to get later in the day, and I'm thinking I need some coffee.
5: Yeah, I'll tell you something. Uh, Blade Show is all about uh, stamina. You know, from a survival f- uh, instructor's perspective, I'll tell you that you know there's some things that you want to avoid. You know, like the pit uh, in the Galleria Center here at like three in the morning, and uh, you want to avoid getting tired. Um, we run on caffeine here a lot of monsters a lot of five-hour energies, you know I'm seeing them, you know among all the fidget spinners also known as uh, weakness spinners, but uh, yeah It's uh, it's time for coffee as well
1: I've never messed around with these with these uh, weakness spinners. So
5: don't, don't start they're horrible
1: <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, I'll try I'll make sure to nip that in the bud. So uh, what's new with you man? What you got going on?
5: Uh, I'm here at blade this year. You know, I've been covering blade for a few years now for uh, recoil magazine recoil off-grid Uh, A couple other publications and uh, you know I'm just making connections for somewhere down the line you know I write a lot of different articles for these magazines and you know sometimes I need a particular blade and you know I've just introduced myself to some of these companies that I've worked with and hanging out with a lot of my friends that I've made over the years and I've supported and they've supported me Um, you know people come to Blade Show and they get all you know worked up over all the cool knives and everything and it it is amazing but you know it's really about the experience about hanging out with friends and making new ones over here and, and laughing and 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 cracking jokes and maybe shedding a few tears when you make a, a horrible deal in the pit because you might have had one too many drinks
1: <laughs> I'm sure we're all guilty of that at some point uh, <laughs> yeah,
5: possibly last night I don't know
1: <laughs> any details you can share or no totally uh, out of the table
5: it's like Vegas or Cancun you know what happens in the pit stays in the pit um, it's, it's one of those things but all, all you have to do is stop by for about five minutes and, and you'll get a whiff of what we're drinking and uh, you know, you'll know you see some of the stuff that that's happening there
1: Excellent, excellent. What are, you, uh, what are you most looking forward to this year, here,
5: other uh, than the pit? Oh, other than the pit, uh, Blade Show is awesome. I mean, I just like hanging out with people, like I said. Sure. Um, you know, this year I've kind of taken a step back. You know, I'm not running around with my, my big camera. I'm just taking a lot of photos with the cell phone. Um, I'm hanging out with my, my buddy Dave Wenger uh, over at Wenger Blades. Uh, he and I, along with Travis Kuhn, we collaborated on a double-bit Tomahawk and you know i'm really excited to see the maker of the year uh, or not maker of the year the the blade of the year most innovative um because we really think we hit a home run with that double bit um guys are coming up to it saying that it scares them i'm just telling them it's a professional style axe and you know professionals don't get scared by it but uh (laughs) yeah it's uh that's what i'm looking forward to seeing is is all the reactions to to that that's probably the most exciting thing for me
1: that's excellent that's excellent so uh so where can people find your work man
5: uh right now you can find it in issue 20 of recoil off-grid magazine I did an article recently on, um, you know, uh, ruck marches and how to stay in shape using a weighted pack, and also um, a bunch of in. Uh, unconventional ways of using paracord. I actually uh, did some rappelling with a paracord harness. Uh, you know, got a little too close. A cool. li- little too close to my boys. You know, and, <laughs> and you know, it's not a padded harness seat. So uh, I'm in recoil off grid. I'm an American survival guide. Uh, I'm in a new magazine that's coming out called Carnivore. Um, American Frontiersman. Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple. I'm on Fiddleback Forges. Uh, uh, blog twice a month. Nice. So uh, a little bit of here, a little bit there. I mean, just Google my name, and, and you'll find something. Excellent,
1: excellent, really cool. Any uh, any sort of direct line to anybody that you want to drop or. Screw those
5: people. A direct line to, to <laughs> anyone. If anybody uh, has a question about you. Yeah, I mean, if anyone if anyone has a, a question for me, uh, I'm always open to answering questions. Uh, I love hearing from my readers. Uh, they can reach me uh, on Twitter, on Instagram at Estella Wild Ed. Uh, they can reach me at my website, Kevinastella.com. It's got all the, the contact info there on Facebook. Um, anything is cool. I mean, just don't show up knocking on my door at 3 in the morning. You know, it's... <laughs> I tend to get a little crotchety, you know, at that time, but, uh, any other time I'm cool to answer questions.
1: <laughs> All right. You got it, man. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Kevin Estella. Once again, live blade show coverage, 2017. Take it easy. Man. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff.
0: This episode of behind the blade podcast is brought to you by our friends at KME sharpeners. Um, the, longtime friends of the podcast every episode we've had we've had really good reactions these guys and I got to tell you from the podcast listeners you guys that have purchased the KME sharpening system after hearing about them on our show and seeing them on social media the response has been phenomenal everybody's been very impressed with the system so we cannot say enough good things about these guys and should you decide to pull the trigger yourself and get a KME sharpening system and get that head scratching moment where you're like how does this thing work I happen to know for a fact that you can contact the boys at KME Sharpeners and they will hook you up with all kinds of tribal knowledge and tips and hints and everything. So it's probably the most versatile sharpening company out there. I know that Ron, the owner, his biggest fear in life is to say, no, we don't have something for that. So he's constantly on the cutting edge of innovation from their axe sharpeners to their sharpening systems that cover everything from large choppers to fob knives off a pocket watch. I mean, these guys cover it all. So go check them out at Kmesharp.com and tell them we sent you, please. And we're back. Ooh, I got red on that one, I guess. (laughs) He's watching the levels as he he goes. (laughs) All right, I'll sit back a little bit. I might be peeking on that. Are Um, you? Yeah. Are you? hold on. Now, this is good radio, guys. Now you know what the struggle is real. All right. (laughs) All right, look. Still looking pretty red. All right, perfect. There we go. go. All right, you guys ready for some history? Let's get historical up in this mother... (laughs) um this is an exciting one you guys know that and i don't know why i you know i wasn't in world war II. i just like the old no i wasn't oh weird i mean i look <laughs> young for my age don't get me wrong but not that young so, <laughs> um i just there's something about the knives that were pretty visceral and heavily used at that point uh not all for combat but for various chores and there was a lot of combat too so i mean it is what it is um but i do like old historic military knives uh I fancy myself a collector of them. And right now, we're going to kick off the history of the Navy Mark series in cutlery. Now, you may hear of like the M1, M2, or the Mark 1, Mark 2... Uh, the M designation is typically reserved for the Army and the Air Force, whereas the Mark designation is typically reserved for the Navy and the Marine Corps. And it's just a nautical, a naval term, Mark, mm-hmm. and that right. designates a specific model. And so it's the, you know, Mark 19 is a grenade, bell fed grenade launcher. <laughs> you know, so, but anyway, mm-hmm. on. so let's get back to the knives. The Navy Mark 1 started off in 1942 if i'm not mistaken let's see you know honestly i print out this really good article by rob not and it is collecting u.s navy fighting knives of world war ii um in today's history segment we're going to be covering the marks one two and the mark three mod o aka the navy seal knife in some circles so uh let's see here Unfortunately, because I'm a jerk and I skimmed this and I didn't get everything, I could not tell you the exact date of the first release of the Navy Mark (laughs) 1, which is a very rough beginning. We're still getting our sea legs back here at the podcast. But I can tell you that during World War II, uh, in the wartime crisis of manufacture, all these strategic tools and materials and all this stuff, uh, there were over 30 different variants of the U.S. Navy Mark 1. Now, some of you guys might not know what these look like. And unfortunately, I don't have one with me today um i do have one on the way though and i'm very excited about that we'll we'll
1: be sure to post that up in the facebook group and on the webpage as soon as it comes in yeah trust me i'm gonna Mm -hmm.
0: be ah, like carrying around stuff i love it's it's a cool knife it is it's got a five and an eighth inch blade as per the specifications put out by the navy uh and i want to say they're usually about an eighth inch thick let's see 1943 there it is i found it guys fear not all right. So the blade of the Mark I was five and an inches, and was usually blued, though in some cases the blade was either parkerized or left unsubdued in a bright or polished finish. Now I've never seen any in bright, only blued and parkerized. I,
1: I've seen a couple of pictures that were bright yeah, were for the bright. Mark I, but 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 by and large, I haven't seen anything in person.
0: Yeah. Um, the original Navy specs and the maker's blueprint from the department of the Navy in 1943 called for a knife with a blade length of 5.125 inches, better known as five and an 8 inches and a leather washer handle with colored fiber spacers at each end topped by an aluminum pommel attached by a threaded nut. The blade was supposed to be parkerized and marked USN on the reverse and Mark one on the obverse above the makers mark name on the obverse okay? beautiful so there you have it guys there are the specs as far as that goes on the blade itself so you have some concept of uh size and proportion now what makes these knives interesting is, and i'm going to go back to my original comment because i'm not reading directly off this guy's article i'm just taking notes from it but uh, the origin the the knives were made in so many different variations and virtually none of them abided by the blueprint <laughs> or really? the specs. Almost none of them. And <laughs> oh, they were man. all over the place. And so it was supposed to have an aluminum pommel. Now, they used everything from lignum vitae. They did bakelite. Mm-hmm. They did iron. They did steel. I mean, it was unbelievable, the pommel variations in itself. Now, there was also a mod. So the stack leather washers are probably the most ubiquitous versions. But I'm sure if you really dig back in your memory to go into gun shows and stuff like that, you remember like a solid plasticky rubber handle yeah and that it was another model that was uh pretty frequently done so let me get back to the article in itself uh, doo, 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 doo. uh the mark one was made by k-bar union cutlery at the time western states cutlery Camilla's cutlery schrade walden imperial h uh, boker Robison, uh geneva forge colonial PAL. I mean, it goes on that's, and on and on. That's so nuts. Everybody uh, jumped, popped up to do this, to, to make this knife. That's really cool. Oh, man. And so, uh, let's see. Of all the makers, only PAL came close, this goes back to what I was saying, came close to following the Navy specifications. This may be due <laughs> to wartime restrictions, the scarcity of certain materials. Pommels or butts were made of specified aluminum, as well as wood, plastic, iron, and steel. While blade length remained standard, some were flat ground, others were either fluted or saber ground. Now, he says fluted i'm not sure what he means there i don't know if they ever had a fuller or if he means fluted as in hollow ground and so i, I don't
1: i'm not sure either because fluted i think of drill bits
0: yeah and, yeah I, know, I, I think of like a barrel but, like a barrel yeah, like and a like rifle a, you know right, right, I mean? right rifle, so fluted right, just has so. a linear uh you know furrow dug out of it and so i don't know if that means that it had a fuller or not i maybe i think feel like i've seen some with a fuller now that i think yeah. about it, i'm gonna have to do some research um I probably should have done that before I came to the show, huh, guys? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: again, again, this is like this is like a beta for getting our feet back under. No under... kidding. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is also, this is another cool thing. And so let's see. Uh, or right? Handles were all leather washer except for the Colonial. So Colonial, I guess, is the only company that did it. Number 9, 10, and 11, and I'm assuming these are models 9, 10, and 11, which had handles of molded black rubber. The two most common sheaths were either a molded gray plastic scabbard, the type with a rounded and much like a bayonet scabbard. It has like kind of a, if you guys know, these it, so it's just like a m7 bayonet scabbard it's got a uh, like a leaf of spring steel inside of there some people say well that's it's sharpening the blades you pull it out no it's it's a retention of the blade there's a spring tension yeah. that holds your knife in your sheath on that <laughs> style of scabbard urban and, legends are great aren't they yeah and they're not, they're not self-sharpening <laughs> they definitely beat the crap out of the finish so just be aware of that that's mm-hmm. why they use a lot of cosmoline and stuff like that um, and then there are some that uh, brown leather made by riveting a single fold or leather though this guy has seen seen some double stitched leather sheaths, which may have even been custom. Uh, here he goes in to talk about some that he saw and uh, it's all right. So anyways, the number 18 type K bar mark one is unique while it has the five and one half inch blued blade leather washer handled, and black and red fiber spacers at the garter butt. It has an aluminum pommel rather than the flat K-Bar Mark II type flat iron butt. Uh, found on the K bar series Mark One knife. So most of the K bar made Mark One knives had that same K bar flat flattened disc, right. you know, yeah, round disc, disc pommel. Yeah. yeah. Or was okay. it
1: like smashed on
0: Yeah. on the back end? Yeah, okay. And there is a K bar variant out there with an aluminum kind of uh it's like a full radius burn speak. It's like oh. a marbles. Oh, okay. A yeah, of marbles, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. That's right? interesting um and so and this guy goes on to reference M H Cole's book uh, book three, which is actually you can find that on eBay. I think it's book one that is hens teeth. That's really hard to find. And if you guys haven't looked at the Cole books, holy cow, these are real treasures, and they're all hand drawn. I read your dad's all oh, the time. Oh yeah, no, it's, I it's go awesome it constantly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all line drawings of each knife and every model and make and stuff. So it's pretty cool. So that's the Navy Mark One. It was kind of a smaller blade, and then. We come into the Navy Mark II. Uh, So Camillus was actually the one to make the first U.S. Navy fighting knife. Uh, The knife had a heavy threaded butt, and because of minor design flaws, was promptly returned to the factory. Camillus redesigned the knife, replacing the threaded nut with a steel pin. So that's the blind pin you guys are used to seeing in the bottom of the K-bars. The new design was deemed acceptable. Always striving for acceptable. That's our motto (laughs) in Vietnam, Knife. Uh, (laughs) Hence the design designation, I'm sorry, USN fighting knife Mark II. Pal made these knives under contract during World War II. The USMC version made by K-Bar of Olean, New York, became so well known that this style of knife is still called a K-Bar by Army and Marine Corps ground troops, even if it's a cheap, made-in-Taiwan copy. So anything that resembles a <laughs> Navy Mark II, now, colloquially, is the K-Bar. Oh, man. <laughs> That's just the it, way it goes. It,
1: it got the Xerox treatment, basically. It, it, it did. Or, or, Kleenex. Or Band-Aid. Scotch Band. tape. Yep, Scotch tape. Weed-eater. Right. We, d- we need yeah, it, that's yeah. a brand, yeah. We could, we could do this all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> um, Q-tip. <laughs> Q-tip,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, so after the war, the Mark II was made by Utica, Camillus, and Kaneta and told at least 20 different types denoted by slight design differences and maker's markings on the blade of this design were manufactured under the Department of the Navy, co- Department of the Navy contract. Uh, the USMC Fighting Utility Knife, a.k.a. Kabar. Is the same <laughs> as the USN Mark II. K Bar, Union Cutley, Cutlery Company of Only New York, made around a million of the robust and versatile knives. Camillus Cutlery Company of Camillus, New York, that see that Camilla, the New York Knife Mafia, yeah, rearing its right. head over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the other well known manufacturer of the US MC Fighting Utility Knife and continues to make this blade to its original specifications. So the one that I have, like I said, from Vietnam era is Camillus. As opposed to K-Bar, or Union out of aline It's Camilla's out of you. Camilla's. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Remington Cutlery Company, which bought was bought by the Powell Blade and Tool Company, uh, Plattsburgh, New York, shortly before World War II. Powell continued with the Remington line, including... This is an interesting part, guys, and you'll want to know this. Um, Powell continued with the Remington line, including marking the blade with the old Remington numbering identification, Romeo Hotel. So really? R-H and I knew this, Reed over huh. at Northstar taught me this, for Remington hunting. So whenever you see a PAL blade that mm-hmm. starts with RH-TAC-36 or something like that, right, right. that's Remington hunting. And what they did is they bought all the tooling and everything was already together, so they just kept the name convention all the way through. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool how that's they did pretty slick. that. So even on a PAL knife, it has a huh. Remington designation. <laughs> um, and huh. so let's see, followed by a model number. The RH-36 had a 6-inch blade and the RH-37 had a 7-inch blade uh so those, very cool the so variations. the three was probably the model and then the
1: the, the blade length yeah right yeah. afterward yeah, okay, yeah exactly gotcha. it makes sense very cool
0: and so um which is ironic because it's a mark two <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it should That's, have been like, like two six and two seven <laughs> people have
1: different naming conventions for their skews i mean, right. like, I mean it's, it's it's internally you know whatever
0: <laughs> during world war Two, pal's entire production was military nice i think everybody's entire i don't care if you made jar lids you were making some sort of yeah, military widget at that point. Absolutely. Um so during World War II PAL's entire production was military knives. Their USN Mark I was marked R H thirty five and their USN Mark II was marked R H thirty seven. The R H thirty six is an interim type design with a six and a half inch blade with a park rice finish and a pinned aluminum butt cap. The handle is of the very common leather washer type and the knife's overall length is eleven and one this guy does I'm sorry, I'm reading off of this says eleven and one twenty fourth inches which I don't believe. So it's probably 11 1⁄2. 1 24th inches. Is yeah, that... yeah, that's not typical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, <huh>. um, <laughs> BAL also made their RH-37 USN Mark II with the USMC stamp as a fighting utility knife, as well as producing the M4 bayonet knife, the M3 trench knife, another one of my personal favorites, and the M1 Garand rifle bayonets. K-Bar, besides being made, may, besides making the famed fighting utility knife for the USMC, all blades of this type were called K-Bars by the soldiers and Marines who carried them, and as one mentioned previously, the practice continues today. Also made USN Mark IIs. One variation was supposedly issued to the Navy's underwater demolition team, that's the UDT, that's the, uh, you know, the beginnings of BUDS, beginnings of the Navy SEALs. Um, in World War II that was the beginnings I mean they still exist today Mm -hmm. has a 7 inch unmarked bright finished blade without blood groove or blade (laughs) handles rather than the normal segmented leather washer the guard I'm sorry without blood groove or blade handles rather than the normal segmented leather washer handles hmm not sure what he meant by that sentence there so, not an English major. <laughs> Unmarked, bright, finished blade without <laughs> um, blood groove. Got it. Okay. Okay, and or blade handles rather than the normal segmented leather. So, it must have had some kind of other handle. I, and I'll have to look into that because I don't know about a UDT Mark too. Um, the Guard is Mark K Bar, USN Mark II. The knife and another similar Mark II meant for underwater work were issued with the USN Mark II scabbard with a gray molded plastic body and a gray webbing hanger. Right. So there you go. So that is the Navy Mark I and Mark II. We are going to jump into, and I am going to freeform this one because so I know a little bit about this knife myself. Feel free to chime <laughs> in. Looking forward to this. All and right. tell us how dumb we are. Jim, <laughs> this is the US Navy Mark III Mod O.
1: And that was. Made up until two thousand one. Uh, this particular one. In this,
0: one. yeah, which is I super bizarre because the mod O uh-huh. should tell you that they've replaced it with a mod one, right? Nope, changed it. Still mod O. Still it just motto mark <laughs> two. It, it's just <laughs> mark three O, and here are two variations of it. it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. but this uh, is, uh, you know, this is that deep clip point. It's got a serrated spine on it. It kind of is reminiscent of something made by Frobis uh, or sure. uh, okay.
1: Who's the other one? There's Frobus. There's Frobus and... and uh, I want to say that... I- Lan K. Lan K. Lan K. Okay. Those yeah, are the bayonet yeah, yeah. manufacturers. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. And
0: so the saw is reminiscent of something of Frobus Lan K. They probably still had the tooling. Yeah, exactly. And just wait, yeah. You know what would be cool? <laughs> Too bad they couldn't afford the one to put Mark III Mod 1. <laughs> that would have just made my day. they put some thought into it. It's stamped USN on the uh, plastic handles. It's got an injection molded plastic handle that's screwed to the tang. And then it's got a, like a quarter inch thick steel hammer style pommel on it. Right, right, right. Um, this, now. Forget what you heard. It's what you're hearing. This is the only official Navy SEAL knife.
1: It's just it's that one. This, this is the issue
0: knife, the issued knife, the real deal. So wow. that is everyone is like these are issued to seals. No, this this is the only knife that's issued to seals. And furthermore, most seals, them as soon oh. as they graduate, oh, I would, and they get, and <laughs> I'm they sorry, get a, I
1: shouldn't say that, but and but, they get yeah. a knife
0: to their liking, right? And they turn around, they go, great, I got this at Buds. This one that I got, like I said, from Huck over at Ghost Town, um. This one has the trident laser engraved on the blade and on the scabbard. Now, I think this is aftermarket. I've, I've never seen one like that, so I would assume no, it's that got somebody... like an injection molded handle or something. Or, 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 or they all came with that. Oh, or... this is a the sheet they all came with. Oh, yeah. is it? So, yeah. what are you looking at? Exactly? The trident, the uh, Navy oh. Seal insignia. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not standard.
0: I don't think so. So gotcha. I, it's some sort okay. of commemorative. And from it, my understanding, that he got these secondhand from a seal, and he probably got these, you know, after he graduated, buds and it had it engraved and that's the end of it well, and then it, it just made it into the Did a free good job market.
1: engraving and I thought it was I thought it was standard on the
0: sheath. Oh, I no, mean it's, yeah. it it maybe looks like it's part of the form. Not marked but yeah. Uh, yeah so this is it guys this is the the only Navy SEAL knife. Now the clip on these is a little bit too aggressive I think for for practical use in all honesty and they say that this one's probably from the 80s or something maybe even you know maybe even earlier but uh right. Now they the clip is a little bit more robust. I think it's a little bit more refined. Instead of a a huge radius, it's either a smaller radius or
1: it's a straight
3: line. Or straight, yeah, it's a straight line. It looked
0: pretty straight to me. Pretty hot looking knife. The new ones are. These ones are a little. Kind of goofy looking, but for the history of it, mm-hmm. I, I definitely wanted this deep clip because oh, sure, they're yeah. getting rarer and rarer as the tips break off. <laughs> way, so. And you have one with a
1: good tip yeah. that'll that'll never get broken off.
0: So there you go, guys. That is the history segment. Thank you for bearing with me on my terrible note taking there. Uh, <laughs> but that is the history segment on the Navy Mark series of blades. So the Mark One, Mark Two, and Mark Three motto is to my understanding that there has been no Mark Four yet
1: not not and yet so, yeah. not yet that I that I know of it's just been the revisions of the Mark III. yeah
0: exactly the Mark right. 3 mod O and Mark 3 mod O mod 1 <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right all right guys next up we have we have a new segment in uh, in place of our tech tips segment we're actually going to be swapping that out occasionally here and there for something we're calling where's where's the node grinder side chats grinder side chats where we talk with another maker and purveyor of knives. In this in this week, we are talking with Todd Walensky of True Saber Limited. You guys, stay tuned for the interview. It'll, we'll play some music, and then we'll just jump right into the interview, and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards.
0: All right, welcome to Behind the Blade podcast. Today we have a phone in interview with a very special guest and a very good friend of mine, Todd Walensky of True Saber Limited. Thanks for calling in on the show, Todd.
6: Thank you guys for having me.
0: So we're coming off of Grindin', the June in at Bark River 2017, and I know we got to spend some time pretty close there, and I saw that you dropped off some new models. Um, I took a look at the models, I think they're fantastic. A little bit of a departure from what I'm used to seeing you do. The style has shifted a little bit, maybe more into the field application and less urban. Was this a conscious decision or is this just something you're dipping your toe into?
6: I don't think it was a switch of style as much as it was an addition, uh, a very welcome addition. Uh, the first knives I made in 2014 were like a, a neck knife, a, a very curvy, uh, tried to be very ergonomic type thing, and I think it came out pretty well. Um, You're talking about the end, uh, too. Uh, right? Number one, I could have a little bit more appeal with uh, different knives, um, and learned a lot from makers that uh, really had a lot going on. And as a new maker, uh, I've only been making knives about, about a little over three years. Um, I enjoyed the new models because I tried to make something that was um, all knife, not a lot of frills, and was comfortable to use.
0: I think you nailed it, man. I really do. And I, I like your previous line. I like the expansion line. Um, it's cool to see you kind of broaden your whole catalog. I think that's great. But, uh I mean, the one thing that I've always held in high regard with you, Todd, I mean, I guess just for our listeners' sake, we are good personal friends for sure, uh, just industry friends and personal friends, but your edges have always been phenomenal, and they've always been kind of, you'll hear me reference it in the podcast regularly, it's this scientific (laughs) approach that you take to it, and I think it just yields a great, useful tool. So. I know we talked a little bit of this off air, and I've erroneously called you a science teacher several times on air, but <laughs> where is this background coming from that you take this kind of almost mathematic approach to your execution?
6: I, I, you know, it's, it's sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, I'm not a science teacher. Um, I do talk a lot about science stuff with friends like you, Matt, and uh, Jim's heard it, and sometimes I post videos. I. I probably volunteer about 200 hours a year uh, helping to coach some science construction teams, but it's, wow. it's true volunteer. It, it only costs me money. It doesn't make anything, and I love it, uh, and the kids do too. So. But the, the scientific approach to things for me, I've been a knife user and a knife sharpener for over 30 years and a maker for a little over three. Um, so studying that and watching uh, vehement make knives, you Matt uh, the gym, uh, a host of others uh, seeing Josh Dabney's kitchen knife geometry what he's able to achieve with his own hands oh Josh that is was a, wizard. a little personal challenge for me because um, uh, when you make a knife for the first time you guys that was many years ago for me it was three years ago you um, when you're done with the grinder on those first knives that come off, it looks nothing like it looked in your head before. Before you start, <laughs> <laughs> is that the truth?
2: <laughs> 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 you win. Know, so
6: so much so that I, I wish I wouldn't have used stainless steel for the the first batch that I did because the few that ended up in the woods behind the shop are probably still there. It takes time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember those. Can't find them
6: anymore.
0: That's like learning how to bake and making Twinkies first. That tastes like garbage, right? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be around forever,
6: <laughs> but you know in all in all seriousness uh, i'm I'm a little bit on the introverted side, and getting to hang out with a lot of folks with so much experience and depth of knowledge in blade steels and heat treating and geometry um, really has uh taken my my edges and my ability to produce those edges.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like any okay. nugget of wisdom was passed around this
6: it. year. The previous two years, uh, 2016 and 2015, uh, on Friday, <laughs> it was kind of funny, <laughs> and I, I tried not to smile out loud, but both times the first person at my table cut themselves on the first knife they picked up. as a compliment.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a badge of honor. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally believable, too. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think that's where we actually it, it, met it's was it's at Blade.
6: Lovely. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just saying, I think that's where we first met was at Blade Show, uh, like 2014, I think.
6: Yeah. I think so, yep. Nice. Yeah, that was my first year with knives. A uh, little history on True Saber, I guess. Okay. Um, True Saber Limited was born in 2013 to, um, uh, it was a, the, the very diverse company of supplying carbon fiber to the knife industry from one supplier, and I was a, the, the one distributor. And the, uh, uh, the supply relationship went away pretty quickly uh, <laughs> after about eight and a half months. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so I said, Well, I have this True Saver Limited. I'm going to use some of this money I've made with carbon fiber to get a grinder and start going. And I went to visit um, Lon Humphrey in very early January 2014 and spent about an hour and a half in his shop. And Lon and I had been. Um, knife friends through the industry and, and forums for a few years uh, and we end we ended up living about 30 minutes apart and I watched a lot and I don't think he, he thought I paid attention to anything in his shop because I'm such an introvert but I came back and two or three weeks later I said hey I think I finally made a knife and he said oh really? I said yeah I, I learned a lot by watching and I said you have to watch you really fast because Lon you work really fast <laughs> 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 Lon and I have become uh, really good friends. He's got um, you know his own style, which I really appreciate. He can do exceptionally fine artwork knives as well, um, so he's able to help with a lot of uh, coaching things. And I, I got to give him a shout out because uh, if I call him at midnight and he's sleeping, he will still answer my questions. And uh, he's he's been a good friend that way.
3: It's hard to beat. It's really hard to beat somebody like that. Yeah. Right on top of it. That's that's really cool. That's really cool.
0: Oh, yeah, he's been a pillar of the industry for some time now. And, again, just another friend of ours and a great guy, like you said, Todd, able to produce knives to keep up with demand. And then when he stops and slows down and throws out, like, this art knife, this impeccable blade, I mean, the guy's got a pretty diverse palette. I mean, it really is impressive, and I think he's worthy of a shout-out for sure.
6: Yeah, and it helps a new guy that was just a knife guy. That wants to make a good knife. That you know thinks he knows how to put an edge on a knife. Someone like me, you know, a few years ago, it really helps me to get uh, the experience, the proportions, the um, uh, handle to blade proportions, and weight and balance understanding. Um, you know, it probably would take someone like me years to start to grasp that. But uh, Lon and several others have uh, uh, really paid dividends for me that way. The results are good. I'm happy with it
3: and it, it definitely shows in your work too, man. Your work, your work is is very very clean. Um, your designs, your designs are, are very good. Uh, they're very comfortable, and uh, and hey, man, hats off to you for doing a great job.
6: Well, thanks. It's a lot of lot of good coaching that's gone in, in effect. But you know, the other part, being an introvert, when the grinder's loud and and you can work by yourself for a while, um, it's actually very therapeutic for me. <laughs> oh man, I totally understand. I really enjoy knife making. <laughs> you know, it's
0: second only to riding a motorcycle to me. Like honestly and truly, like being at the grinder is such a zen moment for me. And I, it, I just like twisting a wick, man. I, I, I feel the same way after grinding a custom knife that I do after taking a motorcycle ride. So I think you're a hundred. And I'm not even an introvert, Todd. You, I think you know that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> really? Are I, I, I don't think I would say that about you, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, just to delve a little bit deeper uh, kind of into your background, knives is sort of a, a secondary passion of yours, is it not?
6: It is. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't rate it as far as a passion being secondary. Um, I think I was, um, short story, I think I was the original school shooter because my, all of my NCAA years were, were used for shooting uh, Olympic three-position rifle uh, for, for Army at West Point and, and that was a full-ride scholarship. So although I shot a rifle every day, I had football player privileges and uh, I spent um, some years in corporate America. After that, um, my in-laws, who had a, uh, one of the small uh, target precision shooting supply companies, um, like all of us, grow older and I took over that company just last year after working with them for four years. So the that gun store... As well as some uh, relocation to two big national events this summer, uh, which happens it's happened every summer for almost 50 years for the store, uh, is my full time uh, uh, job, owning owning that business and running that business. Thankfully, the knife shop is co located with that business in Utica, Ohio. So, mornings and evenings, uh, you know, maybe 10 to 30 hours a week, I get in a knife shop and uh, enjoy that time. But it will be. About the first week of August before I'm at the grinder in any capacity again right now, as you know this moment.
2: But that, that's what I season.
6: do that's what I do full time. and I, it's a passion of mine too, obviously. I, I love the shooting sports, and um, you know people that don't understand the shooting sports, it's a little tidbit of fact from the Summer Olympics last year, the very first gold medal awarded was to uh, the women's air rifle competitor. She was 19 years old. She's been a customer in our store, actually. Um, she had the first gold medal uh, awarded at the Olympic Games in her hands, so that, I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. You, That's really cool. Do you
0: want to plug the uh, the gun business, Todd?
6: Well, the Champion Shooter Supply is the name of the company. Uh, it started in 1972. Uh, I guess you could say I'm the second generation uh My in-laws, Carl and Sandy Jost, started it in 1972 and bought the business with a handshake. Um, It was owned by a gentleman named Slim Friedle before that. And the company still tries to maintain that character that you can do business with a handshake. Uh, And that's my my main goal every day, to do that. And I think that passion for that type of character carries over into the the knife industry, too. Um, It's online at championshooters.com. And uh, on Facebook at Champion Shooters Supply, if you type in those three words, you'll find their page there. We just had a giveaway on there for actually um, a Savage uh, 22 rifle and a True Saber knife combination, and oh, nice, uh, that will little, be going yeah. out to Minnesota <laughs> this week. Yeah,
0: outstanding. So Champion Shooter Supply and, That's true, right. and true Saber Limited, and uh, True Saber right. is just TrueSaberLimited.com, I'm assuming
6: it is com, and the website is probably very outdated. I don't think there's anything new on there. I think social media is where I concentrate on keeping my updates going. So, I don't know if I'm going to maintain com or not as a domain uh, that remains to be seen.
3: Uh-huh. Well, that, that's kind of what we've discovered too is that a lot of uh, a lot of our attention and I'd say 95% of all of all of our interaction even for this show and in our respective business, businesses have been from just pure social media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's I, a powerhouse. I, I, yeah, I mean, like a Facebook group page is 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 way more popular, way more active than a web page at this point. I mean, unless you're like Reddit right. or Facebook.com. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. their
0: web page is strong. <laughs> yeah. a strong page, I <laughs> So. Well, awesome, Todd. I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your time uh, to talk to us and to our listeners on Behind the Blade. And uh, folks, gang out there, I recommend highly that you go check out True Saber's Knives. They've got some amazing stuff. Where can people find your knives for sale, Todd? Uh,
6: DLTTrading.com and KnivesHipFree.com. Uh, both great folks to work work with. And I can't thank them enough for uh, uh, rolling the dice with me a little bit and getting this thing going. It's uh, They're great Business owners and friends, uh, I would do business with them any day of the week.
1: Sweet, excellent.
6: excellent, excellent, very
1: cool. All right, well, I think that I think that wraps it up. So, uh, in in closing, thank you so much, Todd, for uh, for for giving us the time, and, uh, and it was a great interview, man. Again, Todd, this is Todd Walensky from True Saver Ltd. and uh, what, Champion Shooter
3: Supply.
6: That's right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. It's late in the day and my short-term memory is failing. Remember, Sharp is good. You guys take care. Sharp is good. Have a good one, brother.
0: And we're back for our favorite segment, your Q&As. Guys, guys, we have a ton of questions
1: because since before Blade, Matt and I have not had the chance to sit down and really go through these and answer all of them. And there's a lot of email questions. I mean, like. There's a ton of
0: them. (laughs) (laughs) So we also got a request from our good buddy, Jake TK at KME Sharpeners, to make sure we drop tonight because he's working until not even wee hours. He's just working until tomorrow.
1: He he gets off at 8.30 a.m. So, 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 you know, Jake, this one's for you, man.
0: Yeah, so we're going to stretch it out. If you guys are faint of heart, then uh, feel free to bug out at any time. We will not take it personally, but we are going to try to hammer through at least the majority of these questions to get a handle on it. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a longer segment, hopefully. And I know for a fact we skimmed through there. There's some juicy ones in here that are definitely worth talking about. So Jim, what do we have first, sir?
1: From Adam Pagano. And again, if I if we say your name and we slaughter it, we heartfully, we heart feltly, heartfully, heart we you know what we he's deeply apologize. To we <laughs> deeply apologize for slaughtering your name <laughs> with with from the bottom of our hearts. I had a Porky porky Pig moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, from Adam Pagano, Jim and Matt, I have recently become an avid listener to your podcast, and I usually have it on when I'm carving with my 1.5, 1.25 LT. Hats off to you, Jim, as as this is the epitome of a dual knife. Thank you. Shameless plug. I'm just recovering from my nasty bite from my one25 LT, and I thought I'd ask the two knife gurus a personal question. We don't actually consider ourselves knife gurus. I was going to say, I'd like to
5: ask some knife gurus. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. and I'm I'm just, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not, uh, I didn't, like, add anything. This is the email that I'm reading out. We don't consider ourselves knife gurus. (laughs) But what is your worst knife-related injury? What knife was it? How did it happen? And are there scars or some permanent mark left?
0: Oh hell yeah!
1: Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all right, all right. I'll start with uh, okay. Where which what which one was it? I showed you this the other day. I got a big old scar on my oh right here, right here on my right hand.
0: On the knife edge of your on, right hand. My, the knife yeah.
1: edge of my right hand, right? So I've got a big old scar that runs from the, the the back to the front. And what happened was, and this was actually like a shop accident technically. We we uh so sometimes what we do is we'll put a blade like to to close up a gap in a handle. We'll put it in just in the bench vise. And, you know, with glue and everything. And make sure that it sets before we go back in and clean it. Bang it around a little bit. Make sure it holds. And so so the procedure in the shop is... You take the knife. The edge goes toward the, the the body of the vice. Edge. 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 Edge in. Point down. That's the procedure. And handle sticking up. Somebody put the blade sticking up. Edge out of the vice. I turned. My hand went right into it. It was a Bravo 2. A sharp Bravo 2. Oof. Cut me. Cut me wide open. And I didn't, I didn't stop it or anything. I'm letting the blood flow down my arm. And I go right up to the guy who I know put it in the vise. And I went, look at this! This is why you do not (laughs) put the knife. In the vice the way you did. Now go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> and I made him go back over to the Not vice. Not your hand. No, the knife. No, oh, the, knife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> knife. I made him go back over there and fix it while I bandaged myself up. Yeah.
0: No kidding. <laughs> so there's that one. That's just one. There's several of them. But <laughs> Mine also is vice-related. And guys in the trenches right now, talking to the trench crew, be so aware and cautious there are times when you have to vice a sharpened knife or even a blunt knife that has a point or something (laughs) like that that is as deadly as the buffer in my opinion it could be Um, yeah it it, it's to the point in the vehement shop we shout out knife in a vice we actually yell it out so everybody in the shop can hear it and so are we good
1: um yeah we're good keep on going
0: okay um my injury my worst (sighs) knife related injury we're not good we're not good Nope. What happened?
1: Nope. Well, well, when I imported a file earlier, it changed the sample rate to sixteen hundred instead of forty-four hundred. So we're gonna start over. Nope. We're not doing it. We're not starting over. Apologize for the audio quality of this episode, everybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're 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 way down because I didn't check my sample rate. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna fix that. Whole po- whole podcast.
0: Just a second. The whole podcast. Oh. The whole podcast. So carry on, my wayward son. So, yeah. Here we go. Brought to you by 1980s technology. <laughs> uh, so, here's what it is. You guys will survive. Right. Yep. Uh, over the grinder, it sounds excellent. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um. So, yeah, we actually scream out in the shop, knife and a vice. And that way, every member of the staff can hear it, and everyone's aware, and they look over, and they make sure that they know. And then we guard it. So what happened to me, this was before I was technically even a knife maker. I was just tinkering in my garage many years ago. And, uh, I was making this OSS sleeve dagger out of this random piece of metal I found that was kind of cool and had a ring on the end. And I was grinding like a point into it or filing a point into it. And it was clamped up in the vice. And I was kind of done for the day. And the knife stayed in the vice. And I was like, I think I was 18 years old. And, uh, I went inside, but I had left my pack of cigarettes on the workbench. Mm-hmm. And I come back into the shop knowing. Memorizing where the cigarettes were, I never bothered to turn the lights on or to like inspect my environment. I just reached over the workbench to grab my smokes, mm-hmm. and I, Look
2: at this
0: I got this oh holy crap! My belly wow, it looks like I got in a knife fight in the Attica, <laughs> and I I ran myself through with this friggin' sleeve dagger, and there was like yellow meat and a lot of blood. But after a few minutes, like it was uh, so I'm holding my belly together, like trying to keep it, you know, and I was. I'm a pretty svelte man. I was pretty slim back then, too, but that thing was looking for backbone. So that was not that awesome. Um, I probably should have got stitches, got kind of a nifty little scar from yeah. it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a, I, I qualify that as bad day. That was bad yeah, day status. Yep, yeah. bad day, bad yeah. day. So that was probably your worst knife related injury? That's definitely the one that left the biggest scar. Gotcha. No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So well, I'll, I should have led with mine so we could just wrap that up. <laughs> um, um, so, what happens sometimes whenever you peen a guard on too hard, right? You bubble the guard. Yep. Right? Because you mush it down. Yep. That happened. We had a new guy in the shop and we were doing our, probably our second production run of a Rogue Bowie. Oh. Now, the Rogue Bowie has, and the older ones have nickel silver bolsters. Yep. So they have nickel silver bolsters and they were just peened on, right? And so somebody, somebody was new, hit it a little too hard and they, bu- and he bubbled all of them. Like right at the top of the guard. So what we were doing is we were going back and just grinding the bubble off, bubble off very carefully. Oh okay. So, so On a the machi- or some summer slack. Oh yeah, machine yeah. machine was like at fifteen percent, and we're just bringing it down like you would with a hand file till it was smooth, and then we go back, we we take it down, then then go through the progression of belts until it was totally smooth and mirror polish it. You gotcha. couldn't tell. Right. It turned out awesome. So. And, and I'm I'm, th- I'm throwing Skittles under the bus on this one, so I'm doing that, right? Me and one other guy are doing that. We have our own machines, and we have we have we have our belt set up right, and we're going back and forth, you know, just just between the, the belts. Skittles borrows my machine, cranks it up to a hundred, does a blade on it. I turn around. I go to do my thing on, I, I go to do the thing on it, and it and it grabs the blade, the the rogue Bowie. This is a, like an, an eight inch blade, right? And throws it into my knee. Oof. <laughs> 14 stitches. No shit. But no kidding, fourteen stitches. And and here's the thing: it skipped over all of my tendons. Oh, good. All of them. Lucky I mean You day. can see that you can see that you, you can see the entry point of the scar, how it skipped over my kneecap and the entire oh. joint to hit just on the other side of my shin. It was like the it was like the luckiest injury.
0: I How much I was, does that hurt though? The next day, I've had a knife go in behind my kneecap. It, it and sucked. I mean, you feel yeah. like you just owed the mob money. Right. Like, it's hard to walk for like a week and a half yeah. after that. Oh you no, know? no, I, I was,
1: I was, I was, I, I, I should have had them stitch it with my knee bent, but I didn't. I had uh. them stitch it while I was laying uh. down. So, so, so he's like, "Well, we stitched it that way, so you don't move your leg for ten days." I went, "Yeah, right, okay, right, <laughs> that's gonna work." So yeah. I end up with this huge gnarly scar on my on my on my knee. So. There's that. (laughs) There
0: you go. Next question. Something more pleasant than that. Something more pleasant.
1: Okay. Hi, guys. From Ed Glenn. Hi, guys. I love the podcast. I've been thinking of getting my two boys, 7 and 12, matching knives that will last a lifetime. Not for them to use and abuse now, but to have and use later on when more responsible and keep, hopefully, giving them to their kids and so on. I'm not sure if I want to get them a folder or fixed. Leaning towards a folder... And I'm looking for suggestions on what you
0: two would recommend, even from your own lines. Thanks, guys. Okay. Looking for folder. Now, this is – look, it's not that fancy. um, But in my mind, it is the modern-day Buck 110. And if you want them to be able to – how old did he say they were? 10 years old? 7 and twelve. Seven and 12. Okay. Um, Something that they could get familiar with, use on special occasions and under adult supervision and be safe – and easy to operate paramilitary too yeah I, I yeah put it, the money down i think Absolutely. it's the 21st century's buck 110 in my opinion i think it's a usable knife now the thing about the pm2 the reason specifically that i'm recommending this for children is because unlock unlike like my Sabenza, which is a frame lock or any liner lock or frame lock which requires you to disengage the lock face on the blade edge side of the knife the paramilitaries have a compression lock. It's a Spiderco exclusive patented. I think it's patented. Yep. And the lock system disengages from the spine side. Yeah. So that means you squeeze it on the spine side and the blade becomes free and you never put your hands in that danger zone. Correct. Now it also does, it's not like Velcro shoes. Where you look like a dork when you're of a certain age wearing them, right? Right. It's not like training wheels. No, exactly. This is something that everybody from 10 or 7 in this case to 100 can operate be confident in that knife be proud of that knife and get a lifetime's use out of it i've got one and i love it yeah i, I really do it's, i miss mine yeah. miserably i gotta get another one and so <laughs> i'm gonna have to do it but i carry this to ben's all the time I, like this one's pretty important to me so i don't <laughs> think there's any point in me carrying
1: yeah it, you've too. broken that guy in too i mean yeah. it's definitely seen some love i mean it's all yeah. smooth and pocket worn and yeah and it, it's cool yeah
0: but absolutely to answer your question Paramilitary too. Jim, do you have any recommendations? Um,
1: I would recommend a small fixed blade. On top of that, yes. Uh, um, a small fixed blade, like uh, like okay. So so you suggested from my line and Matt's line. Both Matt and I actually have small EDC fixed blades. So so uh, Matt's got the Grunt. Yep. Which is which is a sexy little knife. That's it's great. Um, and I've got um, there's a few of them in my line. The the best one I could think of, um, is probably the Ultralight Bushcrafter. Yep. I mean, I mean carry all the time. The, I other when I'm when I'm not carrying my custom. Um, it's an ultralight bushcrafter, man. Uh, it's, it's light. It disappears on your hip. It's made of good steel. The, the edges are going to last for a long time. And same thing with the grunt. Same thing with the grunt. It's light. It disappears on your hip. You, you can't feel it. It's made of good steel. It's, it's tough. Th- it's tough. It works. It works. Um, and it's, and it's, and the CPM 154 grunts are stainless. Yep. And, uh, the, the, the 3V, um, the, well, they're not stainless. They have a lot of stainless properties. So, so you have the, seven
0: points of chromium or yeah, something? Yeah, there, yeah. That's like
1: seven, seven and a half. Yep. Um, so they're great. They're great for that. But, um, so yeah that that's that's my recommendation so for 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 fixed blades, so you're looking for like a three inch blade. I like thinner blades when when I'm eating seeing small stuff so um
0: now what about what about a third option? what if uh like a camp size knife a five
1: inch blade like a hmm let's see what what would be what would be good for that like
0: a Well, I mean, I'm going to step outside of my line. You know what I mean? Uh, He's supplying two sons with it, but I can tell you right now that K-Bar makes a killer Navy Mark I. Going back to our history (laughs) segment, they make this awesome, it's a black rubber handle, it's a 1095, if I'm not mistaken, or SK-5 or something like that. Uh, Yeah. Blade that's been powder coated or whatever. And it's a five inch full height grind. And it's just kind of a hot little knife that you can take camping and they don't break the bank. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, if he's going to outfit them, maybe get an A, B and C or maybe get an A and B and then come back. I don't know. I or, mean, at, at the risk of losing a sale on a grunt, you know what I mean? I, I think something like that would be. Attainable that's, and comfortable. That's, you know?
1: that's not a terrible idea either.
0: Um, um oh, has God, a bunch of small yes, ones yeah. as well that I that I just remembered. Oh the S one, um, the S one, There Holy it is. Holy cow! Yep. That be still my beating heart. I love yep. that knife. Yep, the Falkniven
1: S one would be a good one to start. That's going to be uh, you're going to
0: be paying um at the same prices as you would from a Bark River or a Vement mid tech or something right. like that. So just know that going into but
1: it. but the quality is all the same. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, I mean, be- oh. between between all of us, rocks great. Um, and another one you might balk a little bit when I say this, but the Cold Steel SRK.
0: Oh, I love that knife, right? I love that knife, oh my God. And say what you will about Colt Steel, say what you will about Lynn Thompson. The SRK is another, you'll hear me say this a lot, it is a perfect knife. It is a perfect, you want something that you can just beat the hell out of when you take camping. And I mean, you could, there's nothing you can't do with that knife. Uh, they come sharp from the factory. They come in San mai, or you can get the. I would look for an old carbon V version. Yeah, definitely. And just use it. You know, what I mean? it's a hundred dollars when it's pristine. So what are you going to do? Devalue it to seventy bucks? I mean, you it, want it, this to be a lifetime it's knife? It's definitely
1: a using knife. Yeah, I and, mean, it's one hundred percent, one hundred a using knife. I oh. mean, uh, yeah, just just a quick a quick check on Amazon. Um has has SRKs for about 175 bucks.
0: There you go. So yep. I mean, so so you boy, that's all the money for him. Holy cow! You'll right? actually find the old ones cheaper than that, man.
1: Oh well, they, yeah, definitely go truck. for the old yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, especially if you can find one of the carbon V's because that's it's a good edge. It's it's 1095 with a point of vanadium, right? Yep. Yeah. So so it's easy to sharpen and holds the edge longer than 1095. It's black coated. So U.S. made. Stuff like all rust. the other yeah, cold
0: steel good. stuff is imported now, so those are those were still U.S. made. Absolutely. At, yeah. the, uh, at that point, Camilla's factory.
1: Oh really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Cool. Yep. All right. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely check those out. I mean, super handy, usable, usable beater knives that you can absolutely do something with and not have to really worry about the knife. What's this guy's name? Um, this guy's name was, because I got to go back to the thing, his name was Ed Glenn.
0: Ed. Okay, Ed, I'm going to give you 10 seconds, but it's not going to be dead air. It already started to go get yourself a notepad and jot this stuff down. So, bam, there's 10 seconds, Mark. And we are going to go with the paramilitary 2 as the folder. Right. I think we all agree on that. If you were going to shop out a Bark River as an EDC size, obviously they have an f- intensely deep catalog, <laughs> but if you were going to go yeah. for EDC size, we would recommend the Ultralight Ultra Bushcrafter. If mm-hmm. you were going to pick a Vehement for EDC size, we would recommend the Grunt. If you were going to pick a mid-sized camping utility knife, the K-Bar Mark One. and if you wanted to pony up a couple extra bucks, go with the felkneven S1. Also, kind of in that same bracket is going to be the Cold Steel SRK. So I hope that answers your question. At least it gives you something to look at and shop over. Next question. My <laughs> oh, crystal, my watch is getting super scratched. <laughs> it's bumming me out, man. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Aww."> <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. From okay, again. All right. This gentleman is from New Zealand, and I don't know if I can properly pronounce his last name. So once again, I apologize. His name is Shane Hulena, H-U-L-E-N-A. And he's got a great email. Hey, Matt and Jim, just a couple of things. Firstly, I'm a fan from the Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand, to be be specific.
0: I wish I could see your toilet flush the other way. (laughs) I
1: (laughs) I don't think that that's true. I think think it's true. You think it's true? Oh, I think it's true. Okay, we got to try that again. What was his
0: name again? What was his first
1: name? Uh, Shane. Shane, Shane,
0: can you please roger up and let us know if you're, when you flush a toilet or put water down the drain, does it spin anti-clockwise or clockwise? If you could answer that question once and for all, I'd appreciate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I have a bet. <laughs> all right. From what I've seen of vehement knives on the YouTube, they look absolutely beautiful, and I'll have to add something to my ever-growing wish list. I've already got a Bark River JX5 bush bat, so at least that's checked off the list. So it's probably clear I'm a fanboy of you guys. I used to play at making knives out of old leaf springs and chainsaw bars in my spare time. Oh, this <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like the quality of you guys did, but they still have sharp edges. Hey, man, that, that counts. Having sharp edges yeah. and getting a terminal edge and getting get to cut stuff—that's that's a good skill on
0: its own. This is the guy with the bone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah carry yeah, on, carry yeah. on. Carry on. Carry okay. on. Okay.
1: <laughs> one of my first and only one I kept: chainsaw bar, brass guard, antler handle, stick tang. That's epoxy and rough as gut. So this is a knife that he made, and we'll be putting that we'll be putting that up on the website as well.
0: Yeah, he gave us permission. Yep, he did. Okay. It, right. It totally. Okay, yeah. So- the reason I'm at... Oh, that's this guy? No, it's not trash talking. Trust me on this. Uh-huh. So I just got a text message from my buddy uh, while we were on the way to Blade. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his father passed away recently. Oh, that and sucks. It was, okay. yeah, he was an older gentleman. His mom recently passed away. And you know, sometimes that goes that way. handed in um, Well, he got to go through the safe and get all his own personal effects out of his dad's safe.
2: Nice. And
0: in there was a Bowie knife that was made by Buck in the 80s and it was supposed to be a part-for-part replica of the bowie knife that's at the smithsonian museum and there's a lot of hype Mm -hmm. behind it and of course this looks nothing like the bowie knife that and bowie had made and that jim (laughs) used in the in the you know infamous right it's just this knife yeah Yeah, it's just so so what they did though is they made this commemorative line of a hundred of these bowie knives right and i think my buddy ray i think he got like number 50 or something like that right serialized They're so rare that Buck doesn't have one. Oh no. (laughs) And they want my buddy Ray's. He called to authenticate it and they're like, yes, can we buy that from you? And so he's (laughs) contemplating what he's going to do with it. But when I saw the picture of your knife, the only one you kept that is, it looks exactly like the Buck Smithsonian Bowie. It's unbelievable. And you did a fantastic job. It is really close. And it looks. And it's so rare that obviously you wanted to make a Bowie knife. And, yes, Bowie knives kind of par for me. They have a guard. They have a clip point. They have a big blade, you know, stag handle, whatever. But I you nailed it, man. I think you did a great <laughs> job to the point where I had to run across the table when we were discussing it's it. Like, I, oh, I got to show pictures. a picture. And we I were have, comparing it side by side. I have these really crummy pictures on my text message. I'll see if we'll post them up, if they're even worth posting up on the thing. But if you can look up the Buck, Smithsonian Bowie, I mean, it is – way to go, man. Good it, job.
1: Yeah, you yeah. did a pretty good job, man. It it's pretty it. close. Yeah. <laughs> so – So, alright, so continuing on. So, finally, I'll get to my question. I've always just used my grandfather's old whetstone to sharpen my knives. I have no idea what grit it is, but the fine side has been worn pretty damn fine, and it's still amazingly flat. I've got a couple of good folders, Sabenza Manix Two ZTO450, and use a stone to sharpen them. I can get them hair-popping sharp, but it's not a perfect edge like with a KME. Have you guys got any favorite whetstone brands, and what surface grit would you recommend? I don't plan. I don't plan on abandoning doing it freehand when it works for me. Sorry about the long rambling email. I appreciate you were both super busy. Cheers for any help in advance, Shane Hulana. So, thank you, Shane. So, there's lots of options for for hand profiling edges, and uh, so so I know Matt introduced me to an awesome one,
0: the Feltniven DC4. The yeah. DC3 makes a good stone on a sheath. It's kind of an emergency stone, but if I was going to recommend one, and I not just recommend, it's what I carry in my pack every day. It's a Felton even DC four. So it's yeah. Sapphire ceramic on one side and it's a uh, diamond dust. I don't know what the hell you call it.
1: it. It's a really, it's a really, you got a rough and a fine, but it, but yeah. it, but it's, but it's Sapphire and then it's diamond. Yeah. So, so it's like
0: jewelry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool.
1: So it's, it's man jewelry. So, but here's the thing about the, about the Sapphire and the diamond is it abrades very quickly and very evenly. And it
0: stays flat and true.
1: Yeah. And it stays flat and true because it wears evenly as you go across it. And, and, th- and the thing is, I, I, I didn't, I was like, yeah, okay, it's just another, you know, like, you know, stone. Until Matt goes, no. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> and so he hands it to me, so I, so I, so I put my, my ultralight bushcraft bushcrafter needed a sharpening at the time, because when I was carrying it. I did, like, four passes on each side, and it was razor sharp. It was hair popping at that point. It totally blew me away.
0: It's obnoxiously effective. So, I mean, like, I mean,
1: it was, it was pretty cool. It, it totally made me a convert. So, but as far as other stones go, so that's like an emergency thing or, or something that's very quick to abrade a lot of steel. Um, for, for more refined edges, and if you want to put a little bit more time into it, I highly recommend Shapeton Glass Stones. All right. Norton Stones are pretty good. There's a couple of other brands that are Shapeton, pretty good. Shapeton T-O-N? Yep. S-H-A-P-T-O-N. Shapeton okay. Glass Stones. Um, I've got, I've got a set for razors, but on the rougher grits, you can absolutely use them on knives. There you go. And, and they turn out great. So what I would recommend, is I'd recommend a diamond plate for profiling. You know, so 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 there's that there's a fault. But you can actually use the DC-4 as, like, your diamond plate. Yeah, I think so, you can even put get an edge on if you wanted, like, a oh, bench size. Right, right. You know right. So so, so to... get a decent size of one yeah. of those for, for, for profiling your edge. But then for refinement, you start at 320, go to 1,000, 2,000. And if you want to go crazy, go to 5,000. There you go. And then for a work knife, that's all you need. Yep. And then at that point, strop off. It's done. You can strop off on your pants or on a piece of leather or something. If you're listening to this podcast, I guarantee you you've probably already stroped something, yeah. and that's always your final step. Um, so yeah, that's what you need. Work where, where you can get those stones. Is you can get those stones at uh, gendaindustries.com. We dropped an interview with Tom Blodgett a little while ago, and uh, and he brings and he brings those stones. Genda,
0: J E N D E. Correct. Right.
1: J E N D E industries.com. And uh, and and get them from him for a good price. I got mine for a great price, um, but I got like the full gamut razor set. Oh,
2: there you so, go.
1: So so I've got it from I've got I've got diamond plates from one forty to like a thousand to, to fourteen hundred okay. or something like that, and, and across four plates. And then I've got a three twenty shaped in glass stone all the way to fifteen thousand. Yeah, I mean, and the whole thing was about five hundred bucks, all go. of it together. So on top of that. Um, that's what I would highly recommend, um, for the knives. List. But of course you don't need the whole razor gamut if you're doing a knife, right? So it's a one diamond plate for profiling three 1000, 2000. And if you want, you can just drop off right there and have a good working edge. But if you want to polish the highs of the scratch pattern a go little higher. bit more, go to the five and do about half the number of strokes you did on the two now, or, or a third.
0: I, to add to that, my recommendation, since you're already aware of the KME, I don't know if you have one yet or not. But I have found amazing results on my Sebenza, which is my EDC. It is a rented mule. I just beat the hell out of it every day. Um, establish your edge with the cami, get that perfect edge, mm-hmm. and then maintain it on the stones. Oh, yeah. And then definitely. your angles are set, everything is good to go, and you you have the pleasure of setting that edge yourself, or the labor, however you look at it. And then now when you go back and maintain that edge, you've got a nice, you know, tall height bevel that you can reset every time on right. one of the stones we recommended. You can, you can
1: find it, you can feel that little click as it settles. Yes, and exactly. Then, yes.
0: And so you're not constantly convexing it to blunt, which a lot of people have a tendency oh, to do yeah, when definitely. they hand sharpen. And I'm not criticizing, Shane, your hand sharpening skills. I'm just saying this is what happens if you don't you know, take the time to do it. The other stone that I have to recommend, this is the other part of my set. So I have a KME. That's what the, my knife edges start uh, which,
1: with. Which is, which is, which we want, we definitely want to throw out that the KME system does is a great system. All right, I mean, you know, um, <sighs> the, uh, this gentleman, Shane, is actually just specifically talking about hand
0: stone sharpening by hand right um and so i also carry the Spyderco double stuff ceramic stone and right that is right. the partner stone to my dc4 and i want to say the sure. double stuff might even be five inches long but i carry those two wrapped in a pack strop. sure and okay. that is my full sharpening set when i'm not by my kme sharpening. gotcha gotcha and so but yeah i do definitely and i i know you like hand sharpening but i i would still say it is it's worth the effort to get the KME sharpening system, establish your edge on that, and then maintain it by hand from there.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Great question, Shane. Thank you so much, man. Um and again again, great job on that on that on, on your on your Buck Smithsonian. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but no, it's excellent. Really, really good work. Actually, he even even did, did a really good job on the stag because like the how he has it ground, yeah. it looks like looks like the deer grew the horn for him. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Life. Yeah, it goes in really well. All right. Next questions from Timothy P. Lyons, Jim and Matt. First off, thank you for putting out Behind the Blade podcast. Lifetime user and abuser, I've recently become interested in higher-end knives, and this is helping me learn more about such knives. Thank you so much for the kind words, Tim. That's awesome. That being said, has the custom knife industry seen effect of shows like Forged in Fire? I've recently become enthralled with the custom forged knives from smiths like Jason Knight and Jay Nielsen as well. Thanks, Timothy Lyons.
0: I think the biggest influence that we have seen from this is people ask us, "Are you going to go on that show, Forged in Fire?" And usually they mispronounce the name when they say that. Um, uh, h- what's the proper pronunciation, Matt? Well, no, th- normally you get like this: "You going to go on that Fire Forge show?" Oh yes, you know. And you get, yeah. and my God. And so I, the biggest <laughs> thing that I have seen happen is, "Are you going to go on that Fire Forge show?" Um, has it, it's the truth. I mean, and we get, we get asked all the time. Have you yep. seen Forge and Fire? I've so, gotten
1: asked like four or five times. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. It's insane. And, um, so has it changed the industry? Yeah. Uh, for the better, Meh, I think what, what happened is when Tony Hawk came out for PlayStation, everybody went out and bought a skateboard. Um, you know what I mean? When, uh, Uh give me some more references as to when this has happened. Like when something like this happens, all of a sudden everybody's into it for that week. So I do believe that there are a lot of backyard bladesmiths that were born because they're like, I can do that. Right. And then there's a great opportunity to collect on the secondary market, a bunch of tools that were used once. (laughs) <laughs> so, oh no! Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm being serious. I, I I don't want to sound like a jerk or whatever, but I think that's I think this is a petri dish for dilettantes. I think it's a, um, and I I have no shot against forging and fire. And honestly, Knight is amazing. I mean, he's the probably the best on the planet as far as forging goes. Yeah, this is the and, guy that you were telling me about that forged a sphere. Yeah, yeah, Jason Knight's yeah a <laughs> maniac. Yeah, and so it's, nice. it's uh. And so I'm really happy for that. I'm really glad that there's a lot of attention brought to it. But look, I'm going to throw this in the ring too. Um, Doug Markaita, very talented, very skilled. He's got street cred for days. uh, But when you take something that is our bread and butter and you immediately say, will it kill? Um, I think that puts a major negative connotation on everything that we do. Uh, Even the U.S. Navy Mark II fighting slash utility knife is more frequently used as a utility knife as opposed as a murder-maiming tool. And I think that just kind of puts a little bit of a fog over um, the craftsmen that do this job, the people who make hunting knives, utility knives, collectible knives, and yeah, fighting knives. You know what? I've I've put knives in the hands of stone-cold killers that your tax dollars pay for. I -hmm. have no problem with that, and we put the best tool forth for them. I mean, our daggers are a great example also. Um, But I think that everything being weaponized... Uh paints us in the wrong light, and so there you guys have it. You get that's that is worth exactly what you paid for it and that is my opinion on forged and fire. I think there are going to be a lot of weekend knife makers that are going to buy a bunch of shit, and they're not going to use it once they find out how difficult this really is. Um, I think there are going to be a couple rising stars that tripped over it and they found their mm-hmm. true calling. And I think they're going to do amazing at it. And I wish nothing but the best for them. And I'll be glad to help them at any opportunity. Sure. And I also think that they're painting knives in a negative light by making them all weaponized and... uh and it's kind of this fantasy camp of stabbing bad guys, and that's a very real thing, and there are very real people that have gone through and done it for very real reasons, and I don't think it's something to be taken lightly. So that, there you go. That's
1: that's my two cents. No, no. that's that's. I'm pretty much on the same page as you, man. I, don't, I have nothing to add. I mean, there you go. Like,
0: yeah. We were only going to do it with that first joke in there. <laughs> <laughs> but then it, went yeah. this,
1: then it went on a pretty decent rant.
0: Yeah. Sorry. All right.
1: Yeah. All right, next question. From Phil Remington. I just scooped up a Dan Tope Bulldog. Good for you, Phil. Yeah, absolutely, man. I have to say I'm really impressed with this thing. The sheath is on point as well. Not the Jenna. Woo!
0: That's <laughs> yeah. my wife designed that sheath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do you see more custom makers moving away from pure custom work in favor of mid-techs? Matt, do you get the same joy out of producing mid techs as you would a custom job? So let me let me go ahead and answer the first question. So the first question is uh do you see custom makers moving away from pure custom work in favor of mid-techs? I think if I think once you start as a custom guy. You're going to be a custom guy till the day you die. Absolutely. True. I mean, and, and it's, it's totally, it's totally true. I've never seen a custom maker go to production and be totally satisfied with, with everything that happens. I was born, I was born into the mid tech thing and I came into customs later. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of that boat, which you never, which you never hear about. I'm a little bit of a unique situation, but. If a custom maker is going to mid tech stuff, you will see mid tech stuff out of him, and it will be great work. But he will always go back and still do customs, because making customs is fun, man. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and it's way more fun than than doing than doing two hundred and fifty of, of of a single of a singular knife. I mean, it's just in, in my opinion, it's just that's that's how I see it.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh, so, I mean, uh, that's. Like I said, I put it, you know, in Todd's interview, mm-hmm. I put it right up there with riding the bike, man. And so jumping on a custom and, and kind of doing the dance at the grinder and finding a rhythm with this one knife that's going to be the only one like it on the planet and going through that, you can't replace that. You can't, no. that's a void in your life. It's, it's like giving up cocaine for coffee. You know what I mean? You can't, <laughs> you'll just never replace that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's. I think it's absolutely a custom maker is a custom maker, and even if he does midtax, he still make customs.
1: Yeah, I mean he, he's always going to be a custom maker at heart. I truly believe that. Yeah. I mean, so so you see guys like 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 Matt, like Dan Tope, that that uh, that put their heart and soul into into you know maybe one or two knives at a time, and it's and it's it's almost magical to watch. It's a little inspiring actually to sit down and watch and this is, this is down to watch that and and uh, and know guys that do stuff like that who also have no problem turning around and making the techs I mean, it's it's cool. It's fun to watch. So um, I don't think that they're going to move away from pure custom work. Um, you're always going to see you're always going to see that throughout their careers.
0: Well, plus that's how you prototype new models and new designs. So I mean, it's kind of <laughs> it, it lends one to the other too. You know what I yep. mean? The custom maker yep. can go out there, make a custom knife, and then give it to the engineering team and say, "I want to make a bunch of these."
1: Right. Right. Measure <laughs> so, this and do it, and you find yeah, out how, right. how to do this. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, um, so Matt, do you get the same joy out of producing mid-techs as you would a custom job?
0: No, but I get the exact same level of frustration. So let's put it that (laughs) way. Uh, there was a time when you're trying to learn how to cut plunges. There's a time when you're trying to learn how to get your grinds even on one side or shape handles or something like that. Um, I think the trials and tribulations of doing mid-tech work is just learning another facet of the craft. And it is equally as gratifying as it is frustrating. Actually, it's just slightly just slightly more gratifying than it is frustrating because if it was a zero net, I wouldn't do it. Right. So <laughs> I do get a little bit more out of it. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I enjoy the challenge of it, but the mundane glue, these handles, glue, these handles, glue, these handles, that part of it is a little droll. So, yeah. Yep.
1: I've got, I've got guys that do that all day long. Yeah. That's my point. Um, but no, I've, I've discovered the joy of making custom knives myself. I mean, I mean, I made the, the, yeah. the custom that I'm carrying right now will become a new model. I'm prototyping new model as if I were a custom maker yep. at this point. And I'm never going to go back. Yeah. Never. Not <laughs> once. Not once am I ever going to have a drawing, hand it to an engineer and go, let's just do this. I mean, I'm going to make that knife first.
2: Yeah. It's every a world time. Of difference, isn't
1: it? I, it's a, it's a, it's 10,000% different. Yeah. It's, it's so much different. And, and uh, it was, it just an easy conversion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once, once you've seen the light. <laughs> once you have seen the light, it is done. So um, that's what we got for email questions so far. What do you think?
0: I say let's hammer out a couple from the question box and then uh, let's wrap it up. All right. Alright, so Oh, wasn't there a, a a big one in the emails? Did the, you ever find that? And
1: there was, but I swear to God I cannot
0: find it. Oh no. It's okay, maybe we'll find that in the next one. Yeah, time. it well, was a really we'll good question. A, real meaty email. It's,
1: it's an excellent question. Yeah,
0: and we wanted to devote some time to it, so that's okay. We'll bang out a couple low hanging fruits out of the question box. Yep,
1: absolutely. Um and I am here we go. Okay. From uh, <laughs> There's no dead air, we're here. <laughs> All right, from Charles Harding. This was a Facebook question. Jim Matt, I was curious how the durability and ease of manufacture of the burlap shade tree type micarta is compared to the high praise you gave the canvas and linen micarta. PS the new handle variations Bark River is offering is great and I hope Jim found some cool material at Blade. Please share if the hunt was successful. Um, well, yeah, the hunt was pretty successful. I found a lot of really good hybrids, a lot of really good acrylics. Um, so, um I, I think I think Tom Stone at Exotic Knife Handles calls it Raptor Skin. Ooh. It looks pretty slick. It's a lot like a, it's a lot like the lizard skin. I don't know okay. if you guys have seen that or anything, but um, that looks really good. There's a there's a there's a bunch of uh, aluminum mesh, work twisted mesh stuff that I that I picked up, and um, yeah, so um, I had a pretty good successful hunt. Got a lot of really 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 nice specialized woods from uh, from uh, Little Woodies um, which is uh, the wife of Jim Coffee. Oh, cool. Uh, custom maker Jim Coffee. Um, Talented
0: maker Jim is.
1: And and all of his stuff was a plus. So I was more than happy to pick up thirty <laughs> blocks of stuff from him. Yeah so um but as far as the durability of the shade tree stuff uh we dropped the we dropped the shade tree interview um um i, I think it was 2 weeks ago and and the shade tree stuff is gorgeous it is absolutely is that like the
0: herringbone burlap yeah stuff? that's the
1: herringbone burlap the green burlap the the purple yep. f- purple gold fleck stuff i mean and it is gorgeous it really is i really really love that stuff i would say okay so i would say probably like in a laboratory under specific weights um I'd say shade tree would probably be weaker than my
0: You think so? It's uh, still manufactured, it's still layers of textile uh, but, but but it's less layers because the textile itself is thicker.
1: So it's ooh. not as dense.
0: Um I, ooh, or or, or do think- you think I think I mean scientifically you'd be pushing the envelope maybe, but no, I don't think anything in usage. I no, can't, no, 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 no. Practical, any, practical usage. Oof, I wouldn't see to no. be any difference whatsoever between canvas right. and that, right,
1: right. But. No, I was just talking about purely in a laboratory, yeah. which no one needs to ever actually worry about. Like right. you, you can like in a laboratory, you have the scientists with the lab coats doing extreme tests, extreme ways that you're never in 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 a, in a durability kind of a sense. As far as a practical sense. There's no difference.
0: And I almost wonder, too, like, imagine if you took the same thickness of sheets of paper as you did using that as the thinnest matrix, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, And then you have the same thickness in stacks of plywood. Right. I mean, we're talking materials to materials, right? Right. That's wood pulp versus wood, you know what I mean? And just because one's thinner and the other one's thicker, I don't think the thicker one would be more or or less durable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think that the, the the thicker layered one might be more prone to delamination.
0: Okay, I can. See that.
1: Um, and can so see that. and so so under under stress, you could you could have you could have cracks just based on that, just mm-hmm. based on delamination, not failure of of anything else.
0: I think we're geeking out on this too much. Maybe. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think the shape yeah. tree stuff is fine. You, yeah, yeah, as it's... far
1: as as far as you buying the stuff for use on your
0: knife. Totally fine. Go for it. I would use yeah. it on a vehement knife if I wasn't such a cheap ass. There you I'll, go. I will <laughs> give you a sheet. Yeah, not, yeah. I will I'm give you like, a sheet. What do you have in green or black?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a set of scales, and then we can, you can put it up for auction or something. Yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. I, think,
0: I think it is pretty cool, and I like that they did something that is aesthetically pleasing. And totally. Look, I don't know the guys over at Shade Tree, so I'm not jocking them personally or anything They're like They're that. great guys. I but, do. Yeah. But uh, I... I it's cool looking, and it's tough, and it's not made at a nail salon, so I like it. I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really great. So okay,
1: uh, I'm really sorry there's there's a that's a great question floating around here somewhere that Are you I just still can't, searching for it. I cannot find it. Like we're talking, and I'm like going back and forth trying to find this question, and for the life of me, I cannot find it.
3: That's so okay. we'll find it. This yeah,
1: week. so we'll yeah. we'll find it. We'll find it this week, and we'll. We'll we'll get it. We'll get it we'll get it in there because it really was an excellent question and we really wanted to share it with I you. I don't even remember the guy's name, so I no. can't even be
0: like, Hey, Bud, can you send us that question that we can't find? Uh, <laughs> right. Right. So. Send
1: us something yeah. Send the same question again. But it was all about it was all about um tips on how to transition from custom to mid tech. Yeah. And and that's a fantastic question because, because that's kind of what I specialize in. Like, 95% right. of my job is doing custom work on mid-tech knives yep. and, uh, and and organizing it and all of the little minutiae that go into, that go into doing that. So, so
0: if you were the one who sent that email, resend it. Save Jim the stress of yeah. looking for it. Yeah, it was about transitioning from custom to mid-tech and moving into production. Right. So,
1: so in your email, write, Dear Matt Martin and the idiot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's then, no I in team, Jim, but there are several in idiot. <laughs> There are. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, so just resend the whole thing because you had it pretty well written and, and we were able to go through it. So if you don't mind doing us that favor, we appreciate it. Jim, next question.
1: You know what? I think that's what we got. We're done? I think we're done. That's a podcast. Yeah, that's the podcast, man.
0: Holy cow. I, I'm the... a couple rants into this one, so yeah, I'm all like, <laughs> I need this, a beer.
1: This is a good episode, though. We're, yeah. we're pretty long-winded, but we, we're really glad that you guys stuck around with You're us. You're welcome, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know that uh, we definitely did him a favor this time, for sure, because he's, he's an awesome dude. Um, everybody, have a fantastic night, and we'll see you guys next week. Bro.